the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Steve Kostansky, director of The Void and Psycho Gorman, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Dead Kids, starring Michael Murphy, Louise Fletcher, and Dan Shore. Welcome to another needle-eye-piercing episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Zach Schaefer, and joining me as always is my beautiful Sleazy C co-host, Corey Stevenson. Hey guys, how you doing? Uh, you can't see me right now, but my hair is as big as Dan Shores was in this movie, and it's just as curly and just as blonde, but unfortunately, my face is not quite as big. Oh, oh! hey, I, I love me some Dan Shore. I was going to open up this episode with the needle I pierce, or I was going to open up with a bloody pee, uh, perhaps, oh. but we'll get to that later. Ooh, 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 but I thought that might be a little painful, a little more painful than a... Like it's You remember that game when we were kids, like, what would you rather do? Would yeah. you rather eat a, eat a scab or a dirty Band-Aid? Um, you know, would you rather have... Uh, pee blood or get a needle in your eye and not have it like puncture your eye permanently right like like the same thing as in the movie um probably i'd rather pee blood because i mean although that was (laughs) freaking horrible i I hated that so much (laughs) wild dude wild well uh if, if you didn't know already what we were talking about we are talking about the 1981 uh cult classic in my opinion strange behavior a.k.a. Dead Kids. Dead Kids is is the original name of this 1981 film. We'll get into the cast and the crew and the blah, 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 blah in just a second. But, uh, Corey, do you have any familiarity with this movie at all? Zero. That is a big, (laughs) fat zero, buddy. Not even under strange behavior did I have I even heard of this. Um, It has so many people in it that I recognize, but no, man, I I have not ever seen this. Although, I I say that with the caveat of when I was watching the finale, I feel like I had seen that somewhere, but I truly don't know where. Um, But as a whole, I had never seen this movie, and I had never heard of this movie ever before. You well, you might have uh, felt like you saw the ending because I feel like this movie has been an influence on other films, perhaps. Okay, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that as we go along. But I can see yeah, that. I, I can see how that would be a possibility. That's exciting that that you really have like kind of no connection to this movie at all. Uh, and, and let me tell you this: um, when it comes to stuff like, I feel like. You did that with me before. I kind of didn't know anything about it, so I didn't even read it. But for this, same thing. Didn't go in with any 
pre-knowledge. Like, I'm like, okay, if I'm if I'm already in this situation, I might as well watch the movie as fresh as can be. So I, I yeah. didn't read the back cover. I didn't uh, read anything on IMDb. And I didn't even, like, you know, hunt down the trailer or anything like that. I went oh, in cool. completely okay. fresh. I, I think it was uh, I think it was Horror Express was the other one that I did that same thing with. And, um, yeah, it was cool. I love that. I, I don't – I mean, at the age of 42, I get very few opportunities to view a movie from the 80s completely fresh with no knowledge going in and i will take advantage of that if i can yeah no i'm happy to oblige uh, a little backstory for myself on this movie uh i had seen it as a creature feature in the 80s uh on tv 20 back in michigan and then i hadn't seen it since uh maybe 10 years ago it was playing as a double feature at the New Beverly's Cinema in Hollywood, their gr- Tuesday night Grindhouse night. Oh, uh, this was on. Could go to the theater. This one popped up on the Grindhouse double feature that that we we used to go to. It did, and I was like, oh, I I remember this movie, but I had it had been such a long time. Uh, it, it was only bits and pieces, and then I watched it again. I was like, holy shit, I love this movie, um, and and man, yeah, the the Beverly used to show great. Uh, and hopefully they will again someday soon, uh, some great double feature grindhouse flicks. And this was one of them. It, I forget I forget the other movie it was paired up with, uh, but this one did, stood out to me. Did they, was it Dead Kids? Was it billed as Dead Kids or was it under a Strange Behavior? No, it was billed as Dead Kids. Okay. Because Cause so it's, it's interesting because on IMDb, it's listed as Strange Behavior. And I've got a strong feeling. I, I looked, I did a little bit of research uh, trying to find out why. But I have a feeling it's changed as strange behavior in the on IMDb and pretty much mainstream stuff because Dead Kids is such a has such a like nasty connotation. Well, well, also too, they were saying that this was intended to be part one of his uh, strange trilogy, uh, and then Strange Invaders uh, is the second one, which I do remember seeing that movie, but boy, oh boy, I don't remember anything about it. That was so long ago that I saw that film. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that movie, too. I think Paul Lamatt, who's a kind of a 80s uh, genre actor, I think he's the lead in that. And, and to my recollection, it's more of like a Invasion of the Body Snatchers kind of movie. Uh, yeah, but I think it, you could still see what the – like the aliens still looked like something under under the people. Yeah, and th- this one I mean, this one to me – I know we'll, we'll, we'll get into it in just a minute, but this one to me is um, – it's an anomaly. It has a lot of it's it's very bizarre and that's the reason why I chose it. I wanted to choose something that was not kind of typical from what I've chosen in the past just to see like, you know, kind of kind of dabble a little bit, tickle the ivories yeah. if you will, you know. Of course. And, uh, and, and- I, po- I posted the picture on Instagram today saying we were going to review it tonight, and it's already starting to get, you know, uh, uh, people commenting on it. And, and so I think I think it does have a following. And uh, so I'm, I'm excited, you know, to talk about it. But before we do, real quick, we, we don't usually get, you know, uh, too timely in these episodes because we want them to be evergreen. And uh, we kind of don't talk about, like, current events or anything. But I do want to wish a happy birthday to my buddy Zach, whose birthday Aww. was yesterday and uh just wanted to tell you i love you man and i i wish i was there with you to celebrate but uh happy birthday buddy thanks dude i appreciate that i just i'm just realizing now that 
uh, it's kind of appropriate that I chose the pick. This, this, this <laughs> it, it uh, is. I had to do all the work. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Thank you. No, it's all good. It's all <laughs> Thank good. you. Yeah, for that no. birthday present from you to me. <laughs> you know, looking back now, I'm like, would this have been my birthday pick? But probably not. But uh, nevertheless, it's still a fun one to do. And thanks, dude. I appreciate that, man. Like, I, look, I wish I was celebrating with you too. And these crazy times we live in right now. Um, just being alive and being able to celebrate your your birthday is, is a is a is a blessing. So I'm happy for that. And thanks again for giving me the shout out on Instagram. Uh, it was, it's very humorous. <laughs> I knew, I so, figured you dig that. Oh, I d- totally did. Um, thank you, bro. I love you too, yeah. man. Uh, yeah, thanks, yeah so so getting back to strange behavior, I'm just going to call it dead kids because I just, you know, dead kids is what it is. Yeah, um, and, and I'll probably, you know, I mean, moving forward, like when I build the episode, I'll probably bill it as dead. Oh, I don't know, man, because it's called strange kids are strange behaviors on IMDb. Yeah, I don't know. I'll probably have to put both in the title just so we can cover, you know, the SEO bases or something. But yeah, for the for the purpose yeah. of this episode, like internally inside the episode, let's refer to it as dead kids because that is what the the blu-ray cover and uh hey where, where do we uh what's this blu-ray from by the way so severin yeah. severin put out this blu-ray uh god bless severin severin's one of the, the the beautiful indie uh companies that puts out some top-notch flicks um my only complaint and and this is going to be kind of a con- constant and i think you'll back me up on this there's no subtitles so uh or no closed captions yeah. So being <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, I would never watch a movie with subtitles. Who gives then I a shit? Watching f- yeah. Who gives a shit? Right now, uh, I can't live without them because being in my 40s and having a kid uh, and, and, you know, not being able to turn it up too loud because I don't want to wake them. Uh, that's one thing. And being on this podcast and reviewing movies and breaking them down, I want to know the word for word with dialogue is at times yeah to make sure i don't miss anything and there were a couple instances in this movie where i'm like wait what did he say what and i rewound it maybe three or four times uh, I, f- I find it so interesting that some of these movies that we've reviewed don't have subtitles like this one in particular i i like you uh, i don't have a kid but i do like to watch it with the subtitles on so i don't miss anything you know while i'm taking notes and and while i'm tracking the movie and everything so it is helpful and it always just kind of amazes me i guess if they don't I guess have what access to the transcript of the movie, then Severin would have to pay somebody to transcript it. And then it's like, okay, what is the cost of that versus just not having the subtitles on the Blu-ray? And honestly it does suck. But, but for me, my biggest thing is the cover art on this thing is not that great. And, you know, after seeing like, you know, how Mill Creek puts out those uh, VHS slip cases and and those Blu-rays are only like, like seven or eight bucks. And I'm like, come on guys, give us some good artwork. Like they just, um, you know, uh, what MVD just announced uh, split second and they got uh, uh, Tom Hodges, the dude designs to do the cover and, and, you know, like stuff like that. Like, come on, go the extra mile. I'll pay, I'll pay for it. You know, I'll pay for that, for that, uh, a nice cover, nice slipcase, but that's you know. I, and I do actually like Severin. I like them as a company. I like the movies that they sort of kind of cue in on and everything. But I just wish that they gave us a little bit more with it. Yeah, I think in this day and age, there, there's a better appreciation again for owning the physical copy of things. And I think it 
if you know if they if they re-released it with a with a new sli- uh new insert would I, i'd be totally down to do a little possibly double dip uh i would love that if companies did that uh, like you know if, if they uh there's a company called um vinegar syndrome yeah vinegar syndrome it, yeah and they just put out uh, finally, the holy grail of sports movies, Rad, on Blu-ray. Like <laughs> yeah. a 4K transfer. I own it now. It's beautiful. There's like a map of the hell track in it. It's badass. I don't want to go into that. But um, but I think on their website, occasionally they'll offer slipcovers. Uh, oh, slip like you cover. can just buy them separately? Yeah, yeah. And and then they, there's a little Facebook group that, like, you know, respectfully, they sell slipcovers or inserts not that expensive to each other, the kind of trade or whatever. And I wish companies did that. Like, have that on your site. Have a have an extra, you know, people would, I, I'm, I guarantee you, people would buy that $5 slipcover or that $2 insert or whatever. No, Absolutely. So, yeah, hey, I know people are listening to this thing, so keep that in <laughs> mind for uh, future and I'll help you. I'll help you sell it. We'll sell it here on Podcasting After Dark. Corey and I will totally promote that shit. You just got to give us There you go, one. buddy. Anyways, straight, yeah, you know, strange behavior slash dead kids doesn't have the best art anyways, but I love just the original retro art. Um, and so maybe down the road we'll get that. Uh, so, yeah, getting back to the movie, it's directed by Michael Laughlin. Um, he's an Australian director, and he only has, did three films that he directed. Uh, this one, and then Strange Inviter, Strange Inviters. Where'd that come Strange from? Inviters. Hello, hey I'm guys. Uh, and people love the impressions. Maybe I'll just throw one in there. Uh, and then, yeah, Strange Invaders, which we mentioned earlier, and then another movie called Mesmerized with Jodie Foster. Uh, it came out in nineteen in the mid eighties. I recognize Nothing. the cover to it. I'm, yeah, I recognize seeing it at the video store. Never watched it. No, I never no. will. No, nope, that's nope. neither here nor there. Uh, but getting to the cast, well, well wait, and I have to say, I was going to oh, yeah, say, sorry, go do you want to tackle who the one of the writers is? Yeah. So Michael Laughlin uh, wrote this with Bill Condon, and Bill Condon is, um, well, I'm not going to say kinda. He is a big name in the film industry yeah i mean good like, you want to run down some of his credits i mean yeah just throw some out there i mean he did the new beauty and the beast uh mr yeah. holmes he did like a twilight movie uh i mean dream chicago. dream girls chicago he wrote chicago i think he might have also directed it too. uh candy man he also worked on candy man and gods and monsters which if you haven't seen that it is a phenomenal phenomenal film um it's a drama, yeah. But it's it's just it's just beautiful, man. Like he, the guy, the guy does really good stuff, and that's a that's a big deal. This was, I'm pretty sure this was his first uh, writing credit. So there nice. you go. Yeah, he went off to be huge. Yeah, huge. You know, the the cast is is not considered huge, but the, memorable. I, memorable. I was gonna say, memorable. I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's. I mean, you you got um, Nurse Ratchet in it for for crying out loud. Well, That's a yeah. pretty big deal, I'd say, right? It it is. So okay, so uh, starting at the top of IMDb's, the way they listed them, Michael Murphy plays John Brady. He's the local detective and or the, the sheriff, I guess, of this local. Yeah. Town. Well, first off, I didn't know what he was until about halfway through the movie when Dan Shore <laughs> said, you know, what he was. Uh, I could not track it, but we'll, we'll get that to that in it. But uh, Michael Murphy, dude, I know that guy from a million fucking things, dude. 
Yeah, I, I know him specifically uh, from being one of the main villains in Cloak and Dagger, one of my, mm. my all-time favorite kids movie of the 80s. And he is such an asshole villain in that. And, and actually, real, there's moments. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say real quick, didn't you go on uh, Emily's podcast, Why This Film, and talk about Cloak and Dagger? I sure did, and I brought him up quite a few times because yeah that's a thanks for the shout out i'm yeah. sure emily will appreciate that too yeah go, go check, check that, that episode uh, out. check that episode out um emily's uh podcast why this film actually just joined our podcast network about uh about three three or four weeks ago um so consider this an official announcement and uh, i yeah. was on there talking about tron zach was on there talking about cloak and dagger adam and john have been on there i think talking about tmnt uh, i think tess was on there so pretty much everyone from our network's been on there so so uh, go That's check right. out that show and specifically uh, Zach's episode about Cloak and Dagger. It's really fucking good. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, actually, that, that that episode is very near and dear to my heart because um, th- there was like a breakthrough therapeutic moment for me uh, that I never even thought of until I went on her show. So thank you, Emily. Uh, and, and yeah, y'all check it out. It's really good. Yeah, Michael Murphy plays an, um, a, a real nasty villain in Cloak and Dagger. And there's shades of his kind of edge in this as well. Uh, when he goes off on people at certain moments where I'm like, yeah, that, that, that's the Michael Murphy I love. Uh, mm-hmm. His kind of love interest in the movie uh, is Louise Fletcher. And she plays Barbara Moorhead. And like Corey said, yeah, Louise Fletcher played Nurse Ratchet and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I think she got, if she didn't win the Academy Award, she got an Academy Award nomination. Yeah, I think she least. was yeah at least nominated for it for sure. Yeah, and I know her specifically from my one of my all-time favorite movies, um, Best of the Best, the martial art film, which on my other podcast, $2 Late Fee, I, I throw that movie in probably on almost every single episode that we talk about anything 80s. Rel- well, every episode, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the, the lead actor of the film, the, the kind of the main guy of the film, uh, is, is Dan Shore. And he plays Pete eh. Brady. And, and I, mean, I know him, ahead. of course. Yeah, where uh, do you know him from? <laughs> I know him from Tron. He plays Ram, who was um, the one of the, the games guys that kind of links up with Flynn and Tron. And he's he's the one that actually dies and, and gets killed. But uh, that's, Sadly. that's all. That's where I know him from. I know he was uh, Billy the Kid and I think, Back to the Future 3, right? Uh, or was no, it he, um, Bill and Ted's? He was he was Billy the Kid and Bill and Ted's Excellent, right. excellent Adventure. And, and he's great. Boy does great. boy does he have a lock of, like she has so much hair in this movie. And I'm just I'm watching him. I'm like I don't know what you got more of hair or face, my man. But uh, it looks like <laughs> it looks like he's been going through a Corona quarantine haircut as well or lack For thereof. Real, <laughs> this is clearly I mean this movie came out in '81. Uh, yeah. it, it clearly was made in '81, possibly a little bit earlier than that. Uh, yeah, that judging 70s, by this. Judging by the style, I say that this was probably obviously filmed in like 80. And uh, it's always yeah. funny because early 80s, like 80, 81, still has a very strong 70s vibe to it. Oh, for real. Yeah, totally, totally. And this movie has a strong 70s and 50s vibe too. Yeah, for sure. Actually, yeah. So um, another, a few more cast members. Fiona Lewis plays Gwen, Dr. Gwen Parkinson. And Fiona Lewis, do you recognize her? I know where you recognize her from, and it's probably the same place I do too, but it's uh, Inner Space. Yes, one of my favorite (laughs) 80s movies of all time. 
And, and one of my favorite L.A. moments was when we had a movie screening at your apartment or your 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 and your wife's place in uh, Santa Monica, and we watched Inner Space on the deck uh, with everybody, and that was so much fun, dude. I loved seeing. Oh, I hadn't yeah. seen that movie in forever, dude. I forgot we did that. Yeah, yeah, we did that on our. De- oh, that that's a great movie to put on like outdoor screening night mm-hmm. that's oh yeah inner space is a fucking hoot if it was it, rated r and had boobs in it then we would be putting it on podcasting after dark uh it is definitely a classic it's a great movie but uh, i think i was so drunk that day that i barely still remember it because it, yeah. I, at that point i hadn't seen it probably in 20 years and then i can probably still say i haven't seen it in 20 years but well, i know, loved it's, it's, i had a great time with it, it what's funny about it is is fiona essentially plays the same character in inner space as well an evil kind of evil doctor yeah uh spoiler anyways uh there and i'm just gonna go down and talk about a few more people notable people um arthur dingham plays dr lasange slash nagel that'll come into play later i'm not going to talk about who he is just yet uh day young plays caroline she's kind of the love interest of of dan shore yeah uh his character pete and, and, and Pete, uh, <laughs> oh, no, not see, I'm sorry, not Pete, uh, uh, Ollie. I know who Ollie is. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, Ollie play, is played by Mark McClure. Where do you know Ollie from? Oh, he's Jimmy Olsen from the Superman movies. Yeah, dude, I mean, Jimmy Olsen in the flesh, this is right after he did it. Oh, no, sh- okay, I was trying to figure out, like, exactly where this was landing, and, uh, dude, I gotta say... He was my favorite part of the entire fucking movie, and I wish there was more of him in it. Ditto. I, I agree, I actually. I, I, I thought he was great. Uh, had some great lines in it as well. Um, I'm just going to th- throw out one more name. Donovan, who is the deputy in town. <laughs> <laughs> they just call him Deputy Donovan. Um, this is actor named Charles Lane, and, it, and it, you'll recognize him right away. People will look at him and go, I know that guy from somewhere. He's from, like, It's a Wonderful Life, and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Like, yeah. classic films. Uh, he's fucking hilarious in this. Uh, just, like, little small moments that you're like, that was a that was a cool character choice. Anyways, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but, yeah, that pretty much rounds out the cast. There, there's, a, there's a few other people that you might recognize but uh, but nothing to shake a shake a tree at. I, I felt and, like the guy who played Waldo um, was familiar to me in some way, uh, Jim Bolson. Um, although I, I'm yeah. looking at it here and I see that he was like on V or something. I'm like, okay, I watched V, but I don't think that's where I know him from. But I kind of can't find it. But I, I swear to God, he looked familiar to me. Yeah, he kind of has that like that he's like the typical bully face yeah uh, and I, I have a feeling he probably played bullies in other movies too uh, but yeah but yeah no i think you're right um but let's should we just get into this bad boy yep buddy i'm ready to get into this like dan shore was ready to take a needle to the eye strange behavior a movie of mystery horror and suspense Clear and unnatural picture begins to form in my mind. They're going to strap me into some chair and pull from all of my grace. Would you just here. wait a minute and listen to me? Two sessions, two days, a hundred bucks a day. Behavior is nothing more than the sum of the mechanical activities <laughs> of our bodies. I was just wondering, are you doing anything tonight? Oh, t- He's dead. And the dead don't come back and take revenge. 
So the movie opens in a very typical fashion to a lot of indie indie horror films of the 70s and 80s. There's really uh, like no production card, studio card that opens up the film. It just goes straight into the movie. Um, Dead Kids, 1981. And I do want to point out that the production company behind it was Hemdale. And if you don't know who Hemdale is, Hemdale is responsible for some great, I mean, iconic eighties movies, Terminator return, return of the living dead. Who, uh, mine's Hoosiers. Sure. Salvador. (laughs) Sure. River's edge platoon. Um, I mean, go, if you look them up, I think Highlander was a Hemdale movie as well. Just great. Put out some great movies back in the day. Oh, hell yeah, dude. So I, you know, I I saw that and I'm like, okay, Hemdale all the fucking way. Yeah. So, Opening movie opens. I, for me, it just was like creepy from the onset. Um, there's a kid going into his room, and he's doing his homework. And his mom yells to him that uh, that they're going that they're going out. He turns on his radio. He lights up a cigarette. He's getting ready <laughs> like to rock out. <laughs> yeah, like immediately. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting choice. He's re- getting ready to rock out with his cock out, and then suddenly the lights go out, and. Okay, this is going to happen a lot during this movie, so I'm just letting you know ahead of time. There's a lot of plot holes, a lot of like, why did that happen? Or So this one is the first one. Uh, <laughs> the radio is not plugged into anything. Oh, but- dude, I noticed that immediately. I actually had to rewind it, and I was like, yeah. I think that's a battery-operated radio. And then when the <laughs> yeah. power goes out, the, the radio goes out too, and I'm like, okay, no, no, I'll just, you know what? I know what I'm in store for now. I know exactly, right away, I know exactly the movie I'm in store for. You, know, I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I know what's happening. Also, too, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brian, the character's name, he is quite the mouth breather. <laughs> yes. Mouth breather in a way, uh, if you've ever seen My Bloody Valentine, the original one, the sound of a mouth breather with his uh, gas mask on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like not Darth Vader, This that more of that gas mask face. Anyways, yeah. yeah. Lights go out, radio two. Uh, Brian goes to check out what's going on downstairs as he's walking downstairs for me the 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 vibe is so creepy um and he's calling out for his his dog or his cat i can't tell who what it is but he's calling out for it and he's wearing um a nebraska college of nebraska t-shirt and that's important just to set the tone of where we're at this is like a small chicago uh, uh, this is a small town outside of Chicago. Yeah, in, in and, and Illinois. Yeah, at first I was like, okay, I noted it was you know Nebraska, and we're gonna see some some beautiful uh, uh, scenery. But this whole movie was filmed in New Zealand. Yes. So, 
And I said earlier that um, the director and writer for were from Australia. They're from New Zealand, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, so Brian Brian lights a candle, and suddenly there's someone right behind him. Uh, well, sorry. Brian lights the candle and he starts making shadow puppets. Yeah, I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Again, at so, this point, I'm just like, um, I think a lot of my responses are going to be, sure, I'll accept yeah. it. I'll accept anything you want to throw at me. <laughs> this movie is a wild ride. Yes, and that is why I chose it. But uh, yeah, he starts making shadow puppets and then realizes that someone is behind him making shadow puppets too. <laughs> and he turns around. And he just he gets killed immediately. Yeah, yeah uh, pretty guy much. Guy walks right in, away. just stabs him, and then blows out the candle. And it's a really for me. Okay, it, 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 it's it's on one level it's cheesy, on another level it's creepy as fuck because you're just like, oh shit, that kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of like, like there's not a lot of uh, sound effects, and the gore is very it's very like. 60s 70s cheeseball gore but but it's still creepy as hell to me yeah no they nail the the atmosphere in this film um i i personally think it's beautifully shot from beginning to end um clearly on a budget you know but still very well produced um but yeah it's it's as far as a lot of things go there's there's a lot of things wrong with it but at the same time there's a lot of fun with it too so we'll we'll dabble in we'll touch on everything as we go along for sure but i did i did enjoy this opening scene though i truly did and i I will say one of the elements that adds to the scene being effective is and i forgot to mention it earlier but it is probably in my opinion one of the most important things to mention is the the people that did the soundtrack for this film and it's tangerine dream yeah buddy i am a huge i'm a huge soundtrack nerd like uh, there's a guy peter hackman who uh was responsible for me getting vince decola on two dollar lay fee uh he 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 runs a soundtrack company and he and I will go back and forth about our favorite soundtracks all the time. And like Tangerine Dream is just so damn good. Uh, besides Risky Business, they did Three O'Clock High. They did Legend. I was going to say, what uh, is your favorite Tangerine Dream soundtrack? It's really tricky. I'm going to go with Risky Business simply for the fact that, that the love on a, a train is such a like memorable song. But Legend is a close second because that Legend soundtrack is just amazing. Speaking of why this film, it hasn't come out yet, but I did another episode with Emily on Legend. And oh. uh, we we watched and talked about the director's cut. Or no, I'm sorry, the, the theatrical cut. And that's, that episode will probably come out in, you know, I think she said like a couple months or something. But since we talked on there about the director's cut, we both uh, bought the, the special edition Blu-ray. And we're going to do a part two to that episode where we actually uh, then review the director's cut. And how does it compare to the, the theatrical cut? cut but i do remember the tangerine dream from that soundtrack and it was pretty damn good yeah they, they've done everything i i would have i would have said three o'clock high but there's a funny story about why um that soundtrack is not as good as it as it should have been and i highly recommend buying the shout factory blu-ray of three o'clock eyes and hearing from the director himself why but <laughs> back to the movie um yeah so from that scene we cut to the next day 
uh, you're getting landscape shots of a countryside, the highway, the road. And um, I'm guessing it's it's uh, New Zealand, right? I, I mean, I guess it didn't I think shoot the, yeah. anything establishing in Nebraska. I mean, it does have kind of that flat vibe to it, but it definitely also kind of has that original Mad Max feel to it, especially when you see yes. the little town. And I was like, okay, but I do think it was a good approximation of Nebraska. Yeah, it. I mean, it. There are moments in this film where you're like, okay, this is not, this doesn't look like the United States, but they do a pretty damn good job. Um, and and I will oh, say, yeah, I was gonna this, say, but at the at the same time, even if it doesn't look like the United States, it's still absolutely gorgeous. That all the gorgeous. all the setting shots, like all the the environment shots and everything in this movie, are absolutely stunning. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's. Again, uh, I was going to say that this this film is considered a part of the Ozploitation genre. Uh, just this this plethora of movies that came out in the 70s and early 80s shot in New Australia and New Zealand. Um, and I mean, some of the some of the more me- memorable ones considered a part of the Ozploitation is Mad Max. Uh, the Long Weekend, which is a killer horror film. Patrick, another killer horror film. Uh, you know, just like mostly creepy uh, thriller, sci-fi horror shit. Uh, Mad Max 2, obviously. Uh, Nightmares, Harlequin, Road Games with Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, that's a great slasher movie. Anyways, it's a part of the exploitation genre. It- and I assume it's one of the earlier ones. Well, no, I guess not. No, it's, it's pretty no, much it's right, right smack dab in the middle. Yeah. So from the, we get all these beautiful country shot scenes, and uh, we see Barb driving in her car, and she honks at Jerry on the side of the road. He's, at, he's working an electrical tower, and they're kind of flirting back and forth. Uh, and then you cut to John waking up Pete, his son. You find out at that moment pretty much early on that John is his dad. And... Uh, <laughs> There's so John, you go to cut the John shaving in the in the bathroom, and uh, you want to take this. Want to take yeah. how uh, how Pete enters the scene? Yeah, you you know that I was gonna have something to say about this. So yeah, John's sitting there. First off, he's like shaving in like the smallest bathroom ever with like a, a corded phone just in there with him. And of course, he cuts himself shaving, and then like as he's talking into the mirror, the camera kind of pulls back and fucking. <laughs> Dan Shore, his son Pete, just rolls up behind him, butt naked, hairy ass and all, just kind of waiting to get in the shower, just ho- totally naked, and John just turns yeah. around and walks past him. And I'm like, this is okay? We're, we're okay with your son just straight up being naked behind you? What what what, what kind of – that was the weirdest thing in the entire movie, I got to admit, man. That was the, that that was was the weirdest I was thing? Like, okay. I, yeah, that was the weirdest thing because what kind of relationship is that? Not well. I we're gonna find out what kind of relationship they have uh, in a little bit. But uh, yeah, because because you go right from the bare ass of Dan Shore, Pete, to uh, John clipping his nails at the fucking kitchen table. The yeah. next scene, and then, it's just disgusting. A disgusting family. What a disgusting family. <laughs> this disgusting is what happens when there's family. no mom there. <laughs> yeah, they are they are a motherless family. We'll find out in a little while why. Uh, but it, and I think while he's clipping his nails, um, this older woman walks in her name's mrs haskell she's kind of like the like the nanny caretaker sort of speech yeah, so yeah speak. but also the neighborhood gossip as well yeah the neighborhood yeah the neighborhood annoying bi- old busy lady. body 
Yeah. Yes. The biddy, right, if you will. Uh, and I think he makes a comment about how he's like, these floors are disgusting or something like that. I'm like, well, yeah, dude, because your fucking fingernail, your toenails or <laughs> clippings are on the, on the floor. But anyways, uh, yeah, the da- dad and son are eating breakfast. And uh, John's asking Pete about college, where he wants to go to college. And he wants to get Pete out of the state, like he wants them to go or away, out of the to town. Out of, he wants them to get out of the yeah. town. But the, but the weird the thing that was kind of weird was like Pete doesn't want to leave. Pete's like, this is my home. This is where you know I, I was I grew up and I was born. This is my house. And but his dad's like, you know, hey, uh, you can always come back to the house, but I want you to you know get out of town for a little bit, experience some things. Um, exactly. But it's there is this underlying mentality to this movie about this like kind of the love for this small town, uh, kind of the people that are here um, are you know it's it's it's. It's just a small town. Everyone sort of knows each other and everything. I like that. I like that theme. Yeah. But like a lot of themes in this movie, it doesn't kind of go anywhere. It doesn't really pay off too, too much. There's a lot of potpourri in this movie that kind of, it doesn't lead to anything. It doesn't take away from anything, you know, but it also kind of doesn't lead to anything either. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Like, I feel like there's this movie has some really cool elements that they could have expanded on, but they just didn't. It, it's like they yeah. went there and they're like, okay, well, let's move on to the next thing. Yeah. Like yeah. It's like, it's like this right. element got us to point B, but we, we need to get to point F at some point, but let's just move on. You know, like it just, yeah. it's, it served its purpose and we'll move forward. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's fine. It, there's nothing wrong with it. But at the same time, I was like, there's things here that I'd like that I really wish could have been played out a little bit further than they got played out. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. So that at that point, that's when Mrs. Haskell walks in and the power flickers, which was a cool moment because you're like, something's going on here. You know, the power went out the other night when the kid got killed. Uh, Brian, like what's going on with the power? Right. Again, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to like I'm not trying to critique no, the ahead. movie like uh, fully, but no, like, please. dude, like, again, the, the power flickering, it goes on for a couple scenes at the beginning of the movie. It never becomes a thing later. I thought that was no. going to be a thing. You know, again, it was like something interesting. And then, and it again, it doesn't take anything away from the movie. But at the same time, I'm watching it and I'm like, but when is the power flickering going to come back into play? <laughs> Spoiler alert. It doesn't. It doesn't. And uh, the big reveal at the end, it kind of comes out of left field, too. Well, right? yeah. Last, like, 15, yeah, 20 well, minutes, yeah, well, like, yeah, we'll get, we'll to, get that. to that. Yeah, <laughs> it's still a cool reveal, nevertheless. Sure, uh, I, yeah, so, I think that's going to be the theme of this movie. It's like it's still cool, but something <laughs> wasn't fully realized. Uh, yeah, but uh, but again, still, still, but still, like so far, still yeah. fun, right? Like the movie's still fun so far with with bare boy asses right there yeah, next to his nudity. dad. <laughs> there's a nudity for the episode, sleazy. Um, yeah, so from there. It's funny because this is when Mrs. Haskell walks in and the power flickers and um, and yeah, she starts gossiping and she starts rambling. And this Pete and John just split. They leave as she's still rambling. And and you see (laughs) them really fucking funny outside the the window. That was a great scene. They didn't even say goodbye. They both just got up and then you saw them leave. And she has no idea. That was a that was a fantastically constructed little visual gag scene. Yeah, there are throughout this film, there are just bizarre kind of humorous moments where you're like, I did not expect that. It's just not 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 typical. And that's why, again, I chose this because it's like it's just this is a very quirky film. Um, Okay, so from there, you're 
Pete's in the car in his car driving around. Cool ass car, by the way. I didn't I didn't track what it was, but it's a cool like nineteen late nineteen sixty nine, nineteen seventy something. Like semi muscle. Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a Corvair a little bit. Uh it's like a smaller smaller um you know, smaller muscle car. Corvairs were yeah. dope, by the way. Uh Mark Wahlberg drove one in the movie Fear, which is a great <laughs> And that slasher movie, uh, or si- sorry, stalker serial, uh, fatal attraction kind of flick. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. I-, I saw that. And I'm like, I want to, I want a Corvair just like him. Um, anyways, Pete's driving around in his car. Simple life. I wrote down, you know, everybody knows Pete. They're waving at him. I love it. Uh, I pick- love that little town. I love the, the yeah. establishing shots of the town. Like, honestly, man, I would love to live in a place like that. I think that's just, I, I, I love the idea of that. I love small towns like that. I don't know why, but at, this was the point in the movie where I said, this movie reminds me of Phantasm, the first Phantasm. Because in, of the, in the small in the, town. Yeah, small town. And just like in the lightheartedness of the characters where everybody's just kind of almost like your buddies went off and shot a film on Super 8 and just kind of improvise scenes. Like it feels like scenes are improvised and people are being silly and joking around. And that's what phantasm felt like to me. And yeah. then when you get into the, the grittiness and you're like, Oh shit, different movie, but just that similar vibe a little yeah. bit. So yeah, now I'm, I'm picking up on those themes. I'm picking, you picking up what I'm putting down. Cool. Yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So from there, uh, Pete picks up Oliver and he picks up Oliver's picks up Oliver at his house and Oliver lives right next door to a funeral home which sucks. I would yeah. not want to live next door to a funeral home. Um, no. And then immediately it cuts to John at the police station. And Yes. Uh, and, and so first off, I didn't, yeah. I don't know if I missed the dialogue or whatever, but yeah. first off, John doesn't have a badge and he doesn't have a gun. So I had no. no visual clues that he was a cop. And two, it doesn't look at all just like a police station or, or anything, no. like any of the normal like like visual dial like that 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 directors would normally use or, or I'm sorry set designers would normally use it's not there and honestly I felt very weirded out by it but I will say I love the fact that he immediately comes into work and tells his like 90 year old deputy to grab him a beer <laughs> Donovan, and I love yeah. how he opened Donovan and I love how he opens the fridge and it's just full of beer and I was like so I'm like thinking to myself <laughs> I don't know what this guy is but he's awesome because he's got a fridge full of beer at his yeah. work and he's drinking yeah. beer like right away and I'm like that's you know what that's the kind of um small town life I want, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want I want well, a ninety year old uh employee to get me beer out of my beer fridge. Yeah, cause cause Donovan, like first thing that Donovan says is that is that the mayor's son is missing. So you realize, okay, Brian is probably the mayor's son at this point. Um yeah. there's a lot of like you just gotta assume things, unfortunately, and I know that is annoying for a a lot of people, I didn't mind it so much in this movie, but yeah, it, it's, it's a funny moment because they kind of like, don't give a shit that he's missing. They're like, ah, he was probably just out, you know, he'll turn up no big deal. And they really don't care. And then Donovan gets him a beer and then <laughs> you're like, all right, this is how they roll. This is pretty fucking dope. They just don't give a fuck, <laughs> yeah, you know, they don't whatever. Give a fuck. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And then you cut to the next scene, which I think is a really funny scene. I didn't write this dialogue down, but when you go back and you actually watch this movie, because people will listen to our podcast and say, ooh, I'm going to check out this movie. Whether or not I'm going to like it, I'm just going to check it out because the boys watched it. Um, The school, it cuts to the school. The high school teacher is giving out 
essays, giving back essays to the students, and he's giving them like he's giving everybody shit. He's like totally shitting on well, every. It's, it's like total. He's like burning them. It's like fantastic. Yeah, yeah. He's like yes. he's like you know ah shit. I didn't write it down either. But yeah, every time he hands one back to the person and he calls them out in front of the entire class, but he burns the shit out of them. But I loved every bit of dialogue from this scene. I loved that that actor, the the teacher actor. I thought yes. he did a fantastic job like just he nailed the the like i've been a teacher for 20 years and i'm completely checked out and i'm sarcastic because i have tenureship at this point but he's still you know he still kind of cares about the kids that clearly he should care about but i don't know man yeah. I, and, and you don't see much of him but i love this scene i loved and- this scene i was just i was riveted by it and i thought it was fantastic apparently he's relevant because you find out later in the movie that he's kind of relevant, but yeah, he has shades of Mr. Hand from fast times to Ridgemont high. Yeah. Just in, in his, in his delivery. Yeah. I think the, the one, the only uh, comment that, that stood out to me initially was Waldo. The first kid he gives the essay to is this kid, Waldo, who's kind of like the bully asshole kid. Uh, but it, and it doesn't really ever get fleshed out though. No, it doesn't. But, but when he gives him the essay, he's like, you know, try to try to write an essay, uh, without sounding out everything phonetically from now on, you know, because <laughs> yeah. they're high school. You're like, you're not, my kid sounds out phonetically shit. You know, he's five. So it gives yeah. you an idea. <laughs> uh, anyways. So, yeah. So the teacher uh, gives the essay to Ollie and Ollie starts kind of talking shit to Waldo. They kind of go back and forth for a minute. And like you said, it doesn't really go anywhere, but it's just a fun scene. Nevertheless, well, everybody's well, going off. Actually, and in yeah. and thinking back, like knowing what I know at the end or, you know, where things are going to go, um, I realize now that it was important that Ollie got a good grade on that one because even Pete, you know, you know, comments on it because, you know, apparently Ollie's not supposed to, well, he's, I don't think he's not, he's not dumb, but, you know, he's not an overachiever and he got like an yeah. A on that one. So that's going to play into where this movie goes and yes. you know talking about it now i didn't pick up on it at the time but that was actually that's actually very good uh, writing that is very good like laying in this little little hint right here and uh just but with the dialogue just the dialogue between ollie and and dan shore um but uh pete pete's uh, um and him but i love their interaction it's it was I'm trying to think what the other movie... Uh, oh, you know, it was kind of like... To me, it was kind of reminiscent of the stuff with with Michael Moriarty and, and Chocolate Chip Charlie. It was like, I loved it when Ollie and Pete were together... Um, and I wish they were like more of a team more frequently because uh, the guy, uh, Mark, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Jimmy Olsen and he plays Ollie in here. I love his yeah. energy in this movie. His energy was so much fun. He was playing this like silly goofball, especially when we get to the, the dance scene in a little bit. I, oh, yeah. I loved yeah. him. He was so good. So My good. Scene. Yeah. Well, yeah, me and too. you have to, me too. you have to, like, like I said earlier, when we were talking about the cast, these might not be like, oh my God, uh, Al Pacino or De Niro kind of type actors, but they're all phenomenal actors. Just yeah. all really good actors who give like 100% to their performance. You don't look at these people and be like, ah, they're just, you know, fucking ham assing it or whatever that expression is. And, and I mean, like, like I said, I know either you're ham assing it. That ham is right up your ass. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, like I said, I know, you know, I know Dan Shore from, from Tron, but dude, 
I will never say that he was a good actor in Tron. I just love him because he was in Tron. He's good in this. Like, I was like, oh, shit. Like, so Dan Shore can actually act. He was just bad in fucking Tron. And I think that's obviously, that's clearly on Lisberger's, uh, uh, you know, that's Lisberger's job as the director of Tron. But I think, yeah. I think Dan Shore was fantastic in this movie. I, I actually I loved him in Tron. He was one of my fa- one of the my favorite things about Tron. And mm-hmm. when he got killed, I was so devastated because I was like, he's such like a cool character. He was such like a cool casual dude. And maybe he's playing just himself. Maybe that's who he is as a person. Yeah. Maybe we'll get him on the show one of these days and we'll ask him <laughs> to his face, which would be really badass. Um, I just to wrap up the scene though, it's really funny because yeah. So Ollie gets an A on his essay. That's why he's totally freaked out, like in a good way. And bell rings. The kids are leaving. Uh, the teacher asks, wants to talk to Pete. Ollie leaves. <laughs> the teacher offers him chocolate, which is really fucking weird. I'm yeah, like, that's creepy. Uh, but then he's he's essentially encouraging Pete to turn in his college application, asking him if he's turned in his college applications yet. And Pete's like, no, not yet. And he's like, well, I really think you should. Um, and he's like, you know, your dad, your dad stayed in town because of your mom, because you met your mom and Pete's like, Oh, so you're getting a little bit more kind of insight yeah. into, okay. He want like the dad wants them to leave. Pete wants to stay just like maybe his dad did. Um, but then Pete's like, well, I, you know, as he's leaving the classroom and he's walking with Ollie, he's like, I need money to turn in an application, yeah. you know? And then, and then Ollie's like, well, an application to Galesburg, that's the college he wants to go to. And, from there, you cut to uh, John going into a supermarket, like a corner store supermarket. Yeah. And then that's where the mayor uh, works. Yeah. So again, again. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm like sitting here trying to figure out if I missed something. But he no, goes in there and, and he's like, I'm going to go talk to the mayor. And then he talks to a guy basically a, looks like a stock boy. First off, he's such a bad actor and yeah, I don't, there are he, some bad actors to, to the point that he's not even like I wouldn't even consider the guy as an actor. Why didn't you just cast somebody else like like as the mayor? Because he's yeah. I didn't get it. I didn't get this whole mayor thing. Maybe he was the actual mayor of the town. Who knows? Um, but I will say and, and just this is based on factual knowledge. Uh, there's a there's a small town in California called Los Banos, which I always thought was funny because I'm like, isn't that the toilets in Spanish or the bathrooms? <laughs> um, the mayor of the town at the time was also the sheriff, no joke, and he operate he owned the local gas station. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so that, it's one of those moments where I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense to me that like. You know, that he maybe would owe, I guess he owns the grocery store, but you know, like yeah. the, the way they set it up, he's like stocking, you know, uh, things. Yes. So you're just like, come on. Like, it's weird. The visual cues in this movie just sometimes they don't line up to what you think that they are supposed to be. <laughs> and I think that's what kind yeah. of throws the curveball at you. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the <laughs> this is going to happen a lot, guys. So get used to it. Yeah. We'll just go bop, bop. Uh, <laughs> bop, bop. <laughs> So but I mean, there. P- picture me like on the couch, like watching this. I'm like, I- I'm I'm totally paying attention. I I don't. Whenever we do these movies, I I don't smoke. I don't like. I'm fully sober, fully yeah. invested, fully paying attention. And I'm just like, I'm. There's no one around me, but just picture me like looking to my left and my right, like going like, what did I miss? Like, wh- what is <laughs> Pete's dad? Like, what does he do? Is he? I thought he was a reporter for for a while. I thought he was yeah. just the reporter. But no, he's he's the cop. He's the head cop for the town. I wish I he's wish. The- they had the that piece cop. of dialogue early on. 
I wish he had a badge. I just wish he had a badge. Right? But, you know, yeah. I, it, or something. a gun, yes. It actually maybe looked like a cop, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Had a name tag or some shit. Um, yeah, so he tell, so John's telling the mayor uh, that he's still looking for their son. And the mayor says, well, there was a strange car parked out front our house the other night. But that doesn't really go anywhere. From there, Pete and Oliver <laughs> are going to the Again, college. Again, another thread. <laughs> yeah. That's going to happen a lot. I'll just, I'll, I'll say something, drop it, uh, uncomfortable pause, move on to the next scene. Yep. So, so Pete and Oliver are in the, on their way to Galesburg College. Galesburg College is, uh, well, it's significant. We'll get to that in a second. But um, Oliver's telling Pete that he's doing this testing there. And that for two sessions of this testing, it's uh, two days and you get a hundred bucks a day. Uh, and yeah. he said he already did one and he felt fine. And, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. So maybe that's why you got the A on the test. Because you're, yeah. they, we'll, we'll figure that out with Pete later. So they walk into a. Well, first class. off, can I can I can I call out the fact that Jimmy Olsen walks so weird in, in this like and it's. It's him walking like he's he's got this yeah. weird nerdy walk to him and he almost gets run over by a car, which is funny. But he yeah. just has this weird nerdy energy, but yet it's still oddly charming. But he has this yeah. really weird walk to him that I just could not figure <laughs> out. Well, they're like they are quintessential 70s teenagers. That's what they look like to me. <laughs> that is what they look like. Yeah. And, and, and even like in that. the classroom, the the all the clothes look seventies. Like the yes. you know c- compared to like say tough turf or something, where like they show the classrooms. Which is classic eighties. Yeah. yeah, that's classic eighties. And this is like eighty one, but like we said, it was probably filmed in eighty. And then knowing that it was also filmed in New Zealand kind of tells you probably what they had access to clothing wise and and you know car wise and stuff. And it, that's Cars what kind of gives it this. Yeah, cars without doors for some reason. So that kind of, <laughs> I feel like that's what kind of gives this this weird. It's like it has a '70s feel to it, but it's but yeah. it's '81. Yeah, it it still has that '70s vibe, and yeah, it, it's all over the place. And maybe that speaks to the fact that it was it, it's clearly a low budget indie type film. That's what it. That's the vibe as well. Um, yeah, they walk into a classroom that's that's in session, like a science class. And like one of those big kind of college, you know, open hall kind of places. And um, Dr. Lassange is on (laughs) film. It's this very creepy looking face. Uh, And it's like, it's really cool. It looks like footage from like the 50s. And he's explaining this scientific experiment that's about to happen. And, you know, it's like, it's like the classic, uh, sci-fi face where the, you know you were going to be hypnotized at this point, yeah. and like it's just it's great, it's really cool. It's like a, a giant um, projection behind them uh, of him just talking, this giant head just talking, really menacing, very very cool looking. Um, and then you have uh, what is it, Parkinson, Doctor Parkinson down there, and then you have another oh, old, Gwen, uh, yeah. yeah, and then you have another old assistant that is yes. clearly. A, I mean, I didn't know what the twist was going to be, but I was like, oh, that is clearly a normal person in old makeup, and I don't understand why that's happening, but okay. Yeah, that that guy's Nagel, and yeah, you're, you're like, okay, that's kind of odd. It's clearly a dude wearing old man makeup, but 
maybe they just couldn't get anybody else to fit the role but we're yeah. going to find out in a little bit why uh but they're put they're doing this experiment on a chicken don't worry no no chicken gets harmed in, the, in <laughs> can, this film can i just say that the little antenna on his head was so cute yeah, <laughs> yeah it's so cute like i, I want to take that chicken home and cuddle with it Chicken the antenna on his head. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the, as this is going on, as they're setting up this experiment that Lassange is describing, um, Oliver like is whispering to Pete that Lassange is dead. Uh, and then Lassange is like instructing the chicken on this film, which is obviously old footage, to lift his uh, leg. And the chicken does. And then he lifts the other leg, which it's the little- chicken does. His little chicken leg. He just lifted his, his little, little chicken legs. Little, <laughs> I was like, chicken just, legs. I was like, oh, I didn't know you could train a chicken. That's so cool. <laughs> and so Pete's kind of fascinated by this because he's like, well, that's cool. The, the guy's dead. And he's like performing this, this experiment through like radio waves that are sending a signal into this little hat, this cute little hat the chicken has on. That's, you know, he's kind of like mesmerized by it a little bit. Um, after that, Nagel leaves and Oliver takes Pete down to Gwen and introduces the two of them. And then, uh, and then Gwen's like, okay, well, nice to meet you, Pete. And then, you know, takes Oliver away for his session. Yeah. And, yeah. His, and then his, as uh, he... his, his, uh, hand job session. Yes. <laughs> I got a, I got a lot of yeah. sexual vibes from, uh, Parkinson. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, like, yeah, that actress, Fiona Lewis, she, she essentially plays the exact same character in Interspace, like very flirtatious, yeah. sultry scientist chick, um, with like this kind of edge where you're like, oh, I don't know if I trust her necessarily. Yeah. She's clearly flirting with Oliver. And as she does, as she's walking away with, uh, with Ollie, she asks Pete if he's related to John. And then Pete tells Gwen that, yeah, it's his dad. From there, now Pete's in the car. He's going home, and he sees Barbara along the way. And, and, but, and real quick, I, I love the – this is a scene right here where the, he's kind of driving through the town. And yeah. I love the shots of the town right here. Yeah, again, it's like a phantasm vibe to me. And I kept I'll, – I'll keep going back to this occasionally because it's just like the music – with the synth music and just the, the just the calmness, but there's like you know something bad is gonna happen. Something already bad did happen in the opening of the movie, but you're gonna get to that very soon. Um, Pete gets home to his house. He sees Barbara, and uh, John's passed out on the couch. And Barbara comes by to make dinner. And <laughs> well, Pete, can, can I can I note that John is not passed out on the couch? He's passed out on his like lazy boy recliner in yes. the most uncomfortable position that's ever been known to man. But I guess that's what happens when you've been drinking beer, not like hard <laughs> liquor, but like beer since probably ten in the morning. Um, yeah. So quick quick question: What is is does Barbara live there with him? I mean, obviously, like it's a love interest to John um, and and Pete. Lo- clearly like loves her like a stepmom and he's always like when are you guys gonna get married and, and he and it's, I like that personally I really as someone who has a stepmom uh, who I who I love dearly I, I like seeing those kind of relationships in movies you don't see that too often but I, I like does she live there does she live with with uh, John or no I don't think so I don't think so not yet um, okay. I mean they don't they don't explain that in the movie but I get the sense that she's she's always just coming by though yeah and they're clearly in a relationship, but it's it's 
but it's an awkward one that we'll find out why later. Yeah, but it's it's he, cl- it's a relationship that's clearly like like overshadowed by the death of this of his you know wife and you you yeah. don't know what you know that if Barbara knew her but you you got the sense that. You know, it's I, there was never like he was never cheating on her with Barbara or anything like that. He he loved his wife. And, and yeah. you know, I think and it's the mature thing that Barbara, you know, she knows that, you know, John loved his wife. There's got nothing to do with it. And she's stood by him during the loss of his of his wife and everything. It's I, I like this. I like this relationship a lot. Um, I, yeah. I like I just, it feels it feels like something that's very realistic and very natural, but a relationship you don't see very often in movies. And I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's cool because because Pete, you know, he's on his way to college, and and he says he says to uh, Barbara, he's like, when are you when are you guys gonna get married? You know, and it's yeah. a really sweet moment. And uh, and and Pete's, you know, says, oh, I'm gonna go to a party tonight. And then he says, you know. Uh, or no, Barbara says, you know, did you hear about the mayor's son? And it's just kind of a quick little moment. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, but it doesn't, doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. After there. I, I, like, hold on. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yes. I, I will say, um, <laughs> I will say she does offer to make him a BLT. And I was like, oh, man, I haven't had a good BLT in a while. Oh, I love bread. me a BLT, baby. Yeah, with mayonnaise and white bread. Oh, it sounds amazing. Yeah, because. Yeah, uh, she works at the local diner in town. And or so, I think the local Steak and Shake. Yeah, Steak and Shake. Sorry. Yeah. Which Steak and Shake. I'm like, oh, shit. Is yeah. that how far yeah. back that goes? Okay, I know. That's I had, cool. I had no clue, dude. I mean, I know that like it was a big deal when Steak and Shake opened up in uh, L.A. When they opened that one up in L.A., I know it was a huge deal. Um, but I and I know Steak and Shake was kind of like a, a Midwest thing. Um, but I didn't honestly, I didn't know it went back to the '80s like that. Truthfully, yeah, neither did I, dude. That's fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> you learn something new, <laughs> right? So, so from there, uh, the cut to Pete with Oliver on their way to this party that they're going to. And they first pull over to this house on the on their way over. And Oliver's like, oh, that's that's a Lucy Brown. Lucy Brown gets around. And Pete's like, she's only 13. And he, he goes, you got a sick mind. And that is really sick because. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's 13. Look, I, I, just to deviate a little bit. I know the 80s were really fucked up when it comes to like there's songs about. She's just 16 years old. Yeah. You know, leave her alone, they say, you know, and you're like, or she's only 17. Daddy says she's too young, but she's old enough for me. Like, there's so much of that shit, man. You're like, no wonder uh, people have a hard time, you know, like, just because they listen to this shit and they're like, oh, it's okay. And song said it was okay. So, well, I mean, the songs aside, because usually those are like written and sung by 20 some year olds, at yeah. least here you can postulate that Ollie and Pete are probably 16 to 17. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's still not great. But when you're in high school, <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not condoning it. I cued in on it, too. Like when they talked about it, like when they mentioned yeah. it. I mean, my note here is uh, 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 basically talking about hitting on a 13 year old hyphen gross. So, I mean, like. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, it's not it's not nice, but at the same time, yeah, I, I I understand the context of when it was you know filmed and everything. I get it. I I get it. It did that shit. Does that shit happen all the time? It does. Is it right? No. 
but it it, it so and and Ollie's Ollie's got a crush on Lucy. Let's put it that way. I mean, it must happen all the time because the way that her dad jumps when he heard like something outside yes. the window or whatever, like that dude is like ready for people to be boinking his daughter, <laughs> like ready to stop them. You know, he's like he's like Al Bundy. He's like just like I have to protect my daughter at all points in yes. time because yeah. people are just coming out of the woodwork to have sex with her. <laughs> well. Yeah, because right after they this happens with Oliver and Pete, there's a cool uh, POV shot that follows into Lucy's home. But it's not a POV of anything. That's what no, was it's, it's weird. No, it, it, it's, like it's, it's not. There's no one necessarily watching her. It's just a kind of a cool tracking shot that gets you up yeah. to her room. And, it, it is, and that's what's beautiful about it. And it, no, it's it's a great tracking shot, but unfortunately, the way it's done is very reminiscent of all the slasher films of whenever you do the point of view of Jason or Michael Myers yeah. or something. So I was like, I was, it's a great shot, but the way that they did it distracted me because I was like, oh, is am I looking at the killer's eyes? And then when like the dad kind of looks at the camera, I'm like, okay, I'm not looking at the killer's eyes. This is just the camera. But the way it was set up was very misleading, I guess I should say. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because you're like, well, wait, is somebody stalking her? Oh, no, no, no one's stalking her because they they show the parents watching TV or like, you know, down in the living room and then they cut up to her room. Uh, and she's like getting ready to go out, sneaking out of the house. That's when she like hops down out of the tree. And that's when the dad jumps up like, what's going on out there? You know, I thought I heard something. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and it's just, and then the mom, like just, dis- she dismisses him like, Oh, stop. And so it's actually kind of funny the way she blows him off. Like, you know, I'll stop being so overprotective. And right. so from there you cut to the party, AKA the best scene in the entire fucking movie yeah this if you can go on youtube and you just type in strange behavior and the first thing that comes up is strange behavior dance scene because we're about to get to the party dance so uh they knock on the door they're dressed up for this halloween kind of costume party um Pete is not necessarily wearing anything in particular, but he looks really fucking cool. Like I would rock that outfit. He's got like the tie around his t-shirt kind of deal with the sport coat on. I'm like, dude, he looks so cool. He looks so cool. Yeah, no. And the funny thing is he actually looks 2020 cool. Like he looks contemporary cool. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a, I mean, it also helps that he's like, he's very like in shape and it's like he, you know what, Dan Shore, man, good, good for him, dude. I, I, I'm glad, I'm so glad that I have, this experience to kind of add to the Tron experience with Dan Shore, it cool. really, really makes me enjoy this actor more. Yeah, he really stands out because uh, there's just he just has a cool energy about him. Clearly, the director saw that. That's why he cast him as, yeah. in, as in the role. But um, yeah, the, this <laughs> nun. Go ahead. You, were you say the, the flying nun. I was well. You said yeah. cool energy, and I was like, and it's funny because Jimmy Olsen, uh, Ollie's, you know, Ollie doesn't have cool energy at all, but yet he does. I don't know what it is about Ollie's dance and how he sort of like, you know what it is? It's BDE. He, he's got, and I don't know if it's yeah. technically BDE, but what it is, it's it's Superman energy. He he's yeah. like, I'm I'm Jimmy Olsen, man. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'll do this movie and have a good time with it because 
I have Superman. Like, I have that franchise to lean back on. So this movie doesn't matter to me if it fucking makes it or flops or whatever. That that right there is BDE. That is big dick, big dick energy right there. And he, yeah. he's got it in spades. I, my only – I have a lot of critiques with this film, but one of them is <laughs> I wish Ollie and um, Pete – we're more like in it together because Ali kind of fades to the background at a certain point in this movie. And that, that sucks when that happens. It definitely does a little bit of a decline, but this scene right here, fan fucking tastic. Yeah. So the, the nun answers the door. She's the flying nun, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is in honor of my independence, you know, and, and, uh, and you cue, the 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 dance like they start walking into the scene everybody's dressed up in like 1950s 1960s outfits uh that's the vibe that's going on in the music that's playing even though it's an 80s band late 70s early 80s band that's doing the song it has this 50s style shanana kind of uh like it's like shanana meets dick dale surf music mixed together yeah. it's so fucking cool and uh um, yeah. and and so i and love they walk the song in. dude i i really do love that fucking song yeah it, it's just it's called lightning strikes and yeah. um for those of you that of you that are interested so it's it's hilarious when they walk in because they're just walking like checking everybody out and kind of grooving to the, the, the to the vibe of the room and Pete Everyone's got great this. fucking costumes. All the costumes got, yeah. are awesome as hell. There's so like a, cool. a Barney Rubble one. That kid is like he's dancing all like I don't know. It, it, everything is awesome in the scene. Just you're just I can't stop looking around at everything that's happening. And uh, yeah, and Pete walks up to this girl that he clearly is into, and and he, and she's like, she's like, have you seen Joe? Joe Mama. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> a good really one. Stupid. Was, and just like this. And she, no, but that's cool as shit. She dropped that. I like that she did that. I was like, yeah, yeah. dude, that's cool. Yeah, You're a cool chick, she's man. Cool. And that's why he wants to party with her because yeah. she's cool. And then Sarah walks up because she wants to dance with Pete. And Pete's like, no, no, I'm dancing with her, you know, and to- totally blows her off, which is hilarious. And this starts the beginning of like a choreographed dance scene. And and when I say choreographed, I say choreographed in the way that Boogie Nights had the choreographed disco scene uh, you know, with Dirk Diggler and Reed Rothschild, then everybody dancing around them at, at the club. Like it's that badass. It's yeah. such a great, uh, choreographed moment and it goes on. It actually goes on for quite a, quite a few minutes. Yeah. And, you know, knowing knowing your love for Boogie Nights, um, knowing your love for Tough Turf, uh, I was not surprised <laughs> to see a dance number in this movie at all. I love my dance um, numbers. But, dude, mm. it is so fucking good. Like, it, you know what? It's it's better than it has any right to be, this, this whole dance number scene. Like, in a movie that's a weird, independent, uh, hodgepodge horror movie that, that have this awesomely shot and well choreographed and yet still like natural like it feels natural i that's i couldn't believe it i was like this is fucking awesome what what is happening right here and i loved <laughs> yeah. like i love the way like dan shore was dancing i love the way uh mark jimmy olsen was dancing. i love the way everyone was dancing i just felt the energy man it felt it felt good to be alive you know and young in the 80s it was <laughs> yeah, awesome dude. as shit dude yeah yeah to me like this scene is epitomizes why I love this movie um, or why I 
thoroughly enjoy this movie. Everything else, I'm like, okay, yeah, everything else that happens is kind of meh. But but there are m- movies where all you need is that one scene, and you go, yeah, I would recommend this movie, and this mm-hmm. is that scene. You know, mm-hmm. um, so from there, there's a cool shot where Sarah uh, picks up this picks up a knife, and she's following Oliver, and almost like she's gonna kill him. But then, you know, Oliver turns around and he's like, you know, I don't like you, who <laughs> basically blows her off, too. And then you cut to Waldo from the earlier in the movie, uh, the idiot, and he's throwing up in the sink, I guess. And yeah, Lucy's guess. there. Yeah. The girl, Lucy, and that's his girl. And you're like, wait, the girl that Ollie was super into is with the guy that was kind of having the back and forth with him in school. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, that right? was that kind of came out of left field, I thought. Yeah. Like I didn't know why she would be with the town, you know, weirdo, the bully. He's not even a bully, yeah. he's just a dum dum, you know, basically. Yeah, he's a dummy. It's to the point where like Ollie can kind of like, you know, fuck with them and and it won't really turn into anything. Like he didn't I I didn't get the sense that he was total like bully uh type of material because he didn't really like sort of fight back with um um Ollie, but he did like he looks like you, you think he's going to be like the heavy guy in class of 1984. Like you think yeah. he's going to sort of be that, but he doesn't really pan out to anything unfortunately. No, he's just kind of he's the he's the doofus. He's the town yeah. doofus, and you're yeah. like, well, why is you know Lucy with him? But whatever, like maybe she's into that sort of thing. <laughs> so, anyways, after that after that exchange, uh, you see someone, but you don't see who it is. Someone grabbed the knife that um, Sarah had earlier, and you cut to the next scene where Waldo's getting it on with Lucy in this red. Like 57 Chevy. Uh, we're going to talk about the Chevy in a second because there's some <laughs> funny things about it. But the, suddenly there's a there's a mask. There's a person in a mask who's stalking them. And you know who that uh, that face is, right? The mask face? Yeah. Yes. It uh, Tor Johnson, who is yeah. like a former professional wrestler, was in like Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yeah, that's like his big like thing is that he's the, the, the bald guy, the big heavy bald guy in uh plan nine from outer space he plays like a, a zombie or something um i haven't seen that movie in forever but uh there there's i mean he's he's such a like such a big deal that like they even like made a reference to him and as one of the zombies in, in dawn of the dead the original dawn of the dead there was like a fat right. like tor johnson looking one and he's just he was like a horror icon and uh it was cool i liked uh i, I thought that was a neat little mask it, they don't really do anything more with it that's not like the killer's like mo but it was neat for this moment yeah it, it, it's creepy it's definitely creepy too because you're like oh shit that's not someone just like clearly that's someone that's starting to make a move and do something nasty uh and then lucy wants to go home she's like i gotta get home and so waldo's like okay i'll take you home and so he starts the car up and that and they're stuck in the mud and waldo gets out of the car to you know push it out of the mud and he just gets knifed immediately just gets all hacked up like (laughs) that and it it was cool because like well you know, you, you don't you saw him get stabbed like in the the chest or the face or something. But then face, when they yeah. cut to him, he's got like three slashes on his face and then he's kind of getting stabbed in the neck. So, like, you could tell they tried. They wanted to make it sort of more violent than than it, they, I guess their budget sort of entailed or whatever. But I thought they did a fine job with it. 
Yeah, it, it, it again, it reminds me of like kind of cheap 70s uh, horror films where they didn't have a budget to do a lot of makeup effects, but you get the point. And I kind of like that in a way because it was like, it's still shocking. There's a scene later on in the movie where I'm just like, it's it actually terrified me watching it now uh just just in it in its tone but we'll get to that in a second um but yeah so after that happens lucy freaks out and the stalker tries to kill lucy and you realize the door the passenger the driver's door to the car is missing (laughs) it's just not there it's just not just not there sure um sure okay well clearly they got this from like a local uh what do you call it uh Junk shop, you know, junk, junk, junk shop or junkyard. Yeah. yeah, there you and, go. And maybe repainted it for the movie, but they didn't have a door for it. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. No one's going to notice. Maybe. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> it's very interesting. Or it speaks to the fact that Waldo drives around in a car that doesn't have a door on the side. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. So Tor, I'm just going to call Tor Johnson, the, the, the killer Tor at this point. Tor tries to stab Lucy and he chases after her. She's running through the, through the bushes back to the house. Uh, she gets away, uh, but then as she does get away, she falls into the pool of the house, which is really a creepy scene because when she falls into the pool, she starts screaming that she can't swim. Um, well, and, and actually, too, right before that, she actually got stabbed in the calf. So she right, was yeah. already slightly stabbed. And I like all of this, this whole scene, because I like the fact that she's getting attacked like right outside the party. It almost kind of like has sort of shades of scream or something, you know, um, well, like, like the fact that scream. she's screaming. But like, you know, people are just partying inside type of thing. I think I think that was one of the references I wrote down actually because I think I would not be surprised if uh, they were a little influenced by that this yeah. this scene in particular. Why not? You know, it's fucking effective. And as she and and so she's in the water and she's like towards the center of the pool, so Tor can't slash her. But she grabs onto like the little the 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 rope the divider between the the, the deep ends of the pool. And Tor cuts the rope, and, and so at some point, now, he, and at some point, he stabs her in the hand too. So oh when yeah, she's trying right. to like climb out, so now there's like blood in the pool because she's been stabbed in the leg and in in the hand. Yes, and yes, that's and right. she can't swim. And my note was, sweetheart, learn how to swim. <laughs> she's thirteen, though. You know, I I know some people our age I can't swim, but yeah, the, yeah, like the, she needs to fucking learn how to swim. So she grabs the string and she's starting to sink and she's starting to drown. And as the party cuts, you cut back to the party going on, and Pete hears the screams, which is really cool because he's like, something's going on out there. Um, and and just in time, he runs out and he rescues Lucy from the pool. And Tor splits, and then you realize Tor takes the mask off. And it's Oliver. Dun, dun, dun. And (laughs) the whole time, I thought it was a chick because he's got some dainty hands and some dainty arms. And I was like, oh, that's a chick because they're they're, they're trying to throw us off with Tor mask. And then takes off the mask and it's uh, Jimmy Olsen. I'm like, yep, that makes sense too, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so now we have to to track this, that the the person, Brian, who got killed in the beginning of the movie, was got did not get killed by Oliver. Got killed by another kid. Okay, so kid. was so was that wasn't Oliver at the beginning of of nope, the movie when you not. saw his? Okay, yeah, I didn't think it. It didn't 
like when I saw that, it didn't jump out to me that that was Jimmy Olsen. So okay, so okay, so that wasn't the same. This was so this is the first time Oliver actually did anything. Yes, and you're like, okay, that's okay, crazy. Cut to the next scene, and now you're it's the next day, and Oliver Oliver's at home with his family. He's coming downstairs to have breakfast, and he's really tired, and he's acting like, like no nothing happened, N- nothing happened at all. Immediately cut to the precinct and the. <laughs> quote unquote precinct <laughs> the um the actuary's office uh and and it's and pete and oliver so they've got every all the kids are being questioned about what happened that night and pete and oliver go in together to be questioned by pete's dad john and um john's asking them about the party and then he's john's asking oliver specifically and Oliver's like, I don't know. I just must have had too much to drink. I can't remember anything. I had a total blackout. And um, and then suddenly Donovan says, you know, uh, tells John that Barbara calls and picks up the phone and he's talking. He's like, oh, I got to go. And like, but you, there's a moment there where John's kind of questioning Oliver a little more yeah. as to what's going on. And you're like. He's, he's like he's kind of suspecting something, but then the phone rings. John's gonna go out to Highway 17 because something happened out there. Um, yeah, and 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 I will say that like the way that like um, uh, Michael Murphy played the scene with uh, uh, Mark uh, and Dan Shore, like it felt to me like he was. He like that he know he's known Ollie forever. Like you know what I mean? Because he's yeah. his son's best friend. It it, it was funny, a yeah. I yeah, I liked that. I got that vibe and I was like, you guys nailed that. That that feeling that that John knows Ollie probably as well as he knows his own son almost. Because they've probably yeah. been best friends since like elementary school. It just it had that vibe and they nailed that. They nailed that absolutely. Yeah, it was cool. And and as Ollie and and Pete are walking out. Uh, Ollie, Ollie says to Pete, like he, he feels like he got hit by a train, you know, mm-hmm. and we all know as an audience, we know that he killed Waldo and he right. tried to kill, you know, a little 13 year old Lucy. And, um, yeah, <laughs> we know that, but no one else does, which is, I think right. it's a cool thing. We're like, well, something's going on here. Okay. And even so Ollie there, doesn't know that. Exactly. Yeah. Ollie doesn't even know what happened or, or does he, or is he lying? You're like, this is right. There's some complex, it's like an onion here. So now we cut to, um, the research office where Ollie has been at at the college and Pete's there. Or, well, before we get to that, Caroline, uh, we're introduced to Caroline. She's the secretary of the research office and she's got her friend there and, I think it's her friend well, or it's just no, another it's, college it's, kid. It's one of the clients. It's one of the, the one of the fat girls, apparently. Yes. And <laughs> we can say that because that has relevance to the movie. Yeah. yeah. One of the fat I can't girls, wait to dive into that, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. And, and there's like cupcakes or something on the table or muffins. And, and, and they're like talking about how, you know, she doesn't want any. And she's like, how can you resist these? Like you got, I'm impressed. Caroline's saying, you know, like that's, it takes a lot of, uh, like that's hard to do to not not want to take one of these cupcakes or something like that, and then from there, uh, Caroline meets Pete. Pete walks in, and Caroline starts smoking, and uh, and well, then she so asks. Ca- Caroline's chain smokes throughout this entire fucking scene. Yeah, 
Yeah, she's a fucking, yeah, she's crazy smoker, which, you know, nowadays people will be like, oh, it's inappropriate, but whatever, it's fucking 80s, who cares? Um, yeah, she's smoking like crazy, and she asks Pete why he's here, why he's at this, at the lab, and she, and he's like, well, I need the money, and then she's like, you know they do testings on animals back there, or like monkeys or something like that, and you can tell she's like offended that with what they do, the research they do, but yet she still works there and she's yeah. kind of trying to <laughs> discourage him from going in. Uh, but Pete goes in and he goes into Gwen's office. Well, well I just wanted to, I just want to chime in real quick. They do establish that, uh, I think, you know, Pete asked something about the cupcakes and they do establish, uh, that she, the lady who dropped off the cupcakes used to be 300 pounds. Like she was like yes. a real balloon. Yes. And so that kind of gives you the idea that, okay, maybe here they clearly do some kind of behavioral, you know, uh, thing to help people lose weight or whatever. But then I was like, so girl, why don't you do the same thing, but for your cigarette smoking habit, because you're a chain smoker. Are you here for that as well? Well, uh, smoke smoking, uh, adds to weight loss because it, you know, distracts (laughs) you from being eating food. I remember I dated (laughs) a girl once. I dated a girl once who smoked all the time because of that. She was, she was like borderline anorexic and, uh, and, and she's, and she's like, you know, if I smoke, I won't eat. And I'm like, so you'll get cancer and die versus gaining weight. <laughs> I don't see the, well, okay, sure. Won't have sex? No. <laughs> As an ex-pack-a-day uh, smoker, um, oh, boy, boy, do I miss it, but I am so happy that I don't smoke anymore. Man, I, I never smoked my entire life, and I've dated so many girls that did smoke, so that, that smell of kissing an ashtray um and not caring because i was like super into the chick at the time i'm i'm just happy that i don't ever have to deal with that ever again uh but yeah (laughs) that's another podcast i I actually always liked the taste of um girls like cigarettes like when they smoke and everything i actually always like that but uh, my my wife doesn't smoke so that's that's a good thing that's so gross man so gross yeah with that like that that kind (laughs) of ashy ashy stale smell well you got to figure like you're when you're when you were making out with that girl your taste buds were at full like at 100 percent us smokers all of our taste buds are at like 40 percent. so we don't taste anything i mean i didn't care at the time because i was just like yeah "Ah, of course i'm in love because you're getting some (laughs) yeah exactly so okay yeah so uh pete pete's allowed to go in the back to go to the research to, to go to Gwen's office. But along the way, as he does, he, he's walking in, he walks down the hallways of this research lab and you see people being like tested. There's a kid on a bike. Uh, there's, there's a pigeon that's in a box. Um, and, and then he sees Dr. Lassange's office and he starts to walk up to the door. And as he goes to the door, Gwen and Nagel stop him. Um, and then they they bring him back over to the kid who's on the bike and Gwen is telling oh he pushes a button on the bike and he says can i have can i play pinball and have a coke or something like that 
Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, for, first off, Coke is um, a big deal in this movie. I thought it was um, like advertising, you know, product placement. No, but yeah. apparently the director is like just a huge like Coke drinker. He loved Coke, so he just put it in the movie. And I'm like, wow. And that kind of goes for me goes back to the the questions I had in the stuff, which was like product placement. Are you like in? I guess in the early '80s. You could just put shit in the movie and and it wouldn't be a big deal. I I don't know, no. but yeah, Coke is everywhere in this film. Yeah, Coke's everywhere, and Coke should have been like, oh, we should have given them some money to sponsor us because thanks for the free plug. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, or no, they just got free plug anyway. So yeah, exactly. Why pay for right. It? <laughs> so uh, yeah, Gwen's talking about how she so the kid on the bike had behavioral problems. Uh, they helped with the behavioral problems and. From there, you cut to the interstate where John was on his way to, and you see a kid uh, dressed up as dead, dressed up as a scarecrow, like on a on a stake in the in in the on a farm. It's creepy, dude. This is the best visual in the entire film, Agreed. and I yeah. I just wish that I, I wish that the movie as a whole kind of lived up to how awesomely cool this little scene was and and the fact that like so the kid is is like totally like as a scarecrow but his eyeballs are like cut out and it yeah. just it was it's beautifully shot you know or like should i say like creepily shot just very well done this whole entire yeah. scene and i just wish that there was like more to it it, it they, it doesn't really get any more horrific than this. I mean, it will in one more scene to come, but this is kind of like as high as it sort of goes as far as like like scary visuals go, unfortunately. But I'm yeah, glad it's in there. Like, I'm glad that we have this visual in the film because it's so fucking good. Yeah, it's so good. And, and it's it's Brian from earlier in the movie. Yeah, um, <laughs> the and, mouth breather. Yeah, mouth breather. And Barbara's all shook up. And John's there to comfort her. And then from there, you cut back to the lab. And now Gwen's with Pete in in their research room or whatever. And she wants to give him this pill. It's called uh, PRL-B58. <laughs> she also wants to give like him a fucking, head or something. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just so like, I'm like just waiting for this to turn into like some kind of Emmanuel scenario. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just like, I, like every buildup just seems like she's going to, Fuck them, man. Like, I'm, like, waiting for it to happen. I, yeah, I don't her, know what's going vibe. on behind the scenes of this movie, but, like, she clearly wants to fuck Dan Shore. We think about it now. You're like, okay, so, so, because uh, you start putting the pieces together, and you're like, okay, well, Ollie was there, um, and, and, you know, and, and because she says you take this pill, and it's harmless, but it'll make you smarter. It'll make you more in control. <laughs> So this is and just like, Limitless, by the way. I was like, oh, okay. So the, so Limitless yeah. ripped off dead kids. Well, you know, uh, Inception ripped off a, a DuckTales comic book from back in the day. <laughs> yes. I rem- I, so, I've read that article. Yes. And, and that is fact proof. You can look it up, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. So, yeah, I would not be surprised if Limitless, like, took a little bit of this. And, okay, there's a lot of... Um, LSD experiments going on at Stanford back in the day during this time too. Uh, there was another movie called Blue Sunshine, which is a really uh, it stars Zalman King. And if you know who Zalman King is, he's from like he got he's the guy who created Red Shoe Diaries. 
Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of those like uh, they they were giving like people drugs and they were turning into maniacs because that, that shit was kind of happening in Stanford back in the day. So part of me is like th- this weird research stuff that goes on in colleges was liter- was definitely happening. Yeah, and that's definitely the most prevailing theme in this movie is that the college is doing something nefarious. Like that idea yes. that, you know, people are obviously pursuing knowledge, but they don't care what the cost of life is. And it's because, yeah, that's sh- like weird shit did happen in like the 60s and the 70s with LSD and all that kind of stuff and people getting experimented on and sometimes without their knowledge sometimes with but just getting massive doses and and just scrambling their brains I mean that's that's a real thing that that happened Um, and I do there was like there's definitely shades of that there's definitely an undercurrent to this movie that is like distrustful of the of the of the college like an unfettered pursuit of knowledge essentially like there's no like an unshackled pursuit and how yes. how that how fearful that you should be of that that is definitely the theme of this film yeah totally totally and 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 you're right like uh the the, the exchange that pete has with gwen is like this this because he takes the pill and he's like i kind of feel high right now like yeah it, but he's like they're so close in proximity to each other's faces and it seems yeah. feels very sexual uh it never goes anywhere uh no. but you're like this probably would have gone like she exudes this sexiness about her effectively she's really kind of yeah. creepy in that way you know which is good it's cool it's a cool character choice and also she chain smokes like a motherfucker too this entire I mean, movie yeah, there's something to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> okay, so from there we cut to the morgue, which just looks like a random room. Um, I That's love what this I, scene. By my the way. only note from the scene is uh, that morgue looks like someone's garage. Yeah, it does. It looks like a garage. The um, forensic guy is there, and he's talking to uh, the, the he's ta- talking to John, and he says, you know, that Waldo and Brian were both killed from they have different types of wounds and he's deducing that there's two different killers and uh and john and he's like here can i show you and john's like no i, I don't want to see it i don't want to see it and yeah then, i love this moment because the 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 morgue guy is like he's like well i i just thought you know i thought it was important i thought you should see it so you know yeah. okay yeah. and then, <laughs> as it's happening i'm laughing my ass off because i'm like it's almost like like the little brother's like, hey, can I show you something? And the older brother's like, no, I don't want to fucking see that. And the little brother's like, well, I just, <laughs> not, you might want to see it because it was cool. Because it's such a weird exchange. It's like, well, I thought this was important. You might want to know about it. And he's like, no, nah, I don't fucking care. <laughs> And he's 100% right. It is important. And the police chief should know about it. But the police yes. chief or whatever he is, the top cop of the town, he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. And he's like scared to look at the dead bodies. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. So cut back to the lab. And now Caroline, who's the secretary, apparently she's the one who closes down uh, the lab at the end of the night. She's turning all the lights off and she's walking down a corridor. It's kind of creepy. And then someone grabs her. It turns out it was Pete. Uh, and she, like, kind of yelps a little bit. And he takes her to dinner. We cut yeah. to, like, a restaurant. They're at dinner. Oh, okay. 
because <laughs> she obviously had the hots for him and he did too and uh I mean, who, who and, wouldn't the dan shorter look at that hair baby look, at, on, that look at that hair, hair. look at that Look at that butt. Look at that butt. So, uh, <laughs> that hairy butt. Only his dad knows what his butt looks like, apparently. <laughs> At this point, so far. Well, Caroline's going to get to know him a whole lot more in just a yeah, moment. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Caroline's going on about the animal torture. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but in, in a scene, I'm just thinking ahead in a scene that just reminds me of the adventures of Fort Fairlane. Oh, it I is. To- it's a total lift from Fort, Fort Fairlane. I'd say might have ripped this off, too, a little bit because it is exactly what happens in Fort Fairlane. It's the exact same thing. Pretty much. Yeah. It's hilarious. I love it. Um, So yeah, they're at this fancy like upscale restaurant, you know, Oh, I had had to mention too. So when when uh, Pete was in the lab with the doctor, Gwen, he's there not more than five minutes, gets his pill. And then she goes, okay, you can go. Uh, you can see Caroline at the front desk to get your money for the day or whatever. Uh, that was his when Ollie's like, yeah, you have to do it for two days, two full days of uh, to, and you get a hundred dollars a day. He was there for five minutes. He got a hundred bucks for five minutes. If I got a hundred, I would do that shit in a heartbeat, man. Hundred bucks for five well, minutes. He, he didn't get a hundred bucks for five minutes. He got a hundred bucks for taking a pill that he didn't know anything about. And I'm sorry, I would not take a pill. <laughs> for $100. I, as a college kid who's or a potential want to want to go to college kid and he needs the money, like I could see why that was super appealing to him though cuz it's like, yeah. okay, that's all I got to do? Oh, shit. Okay, cool. Easy. Easy peasy. And, and yeah. honestly, like 1981 money, $200 is probably closer to $500 now. So, yeah, that's actually a pretty big, a pretty hefty uh like thing. Yeah. So, so Pete's feeling high. He's got 100 bucks in his pocket. And he's taking out this hot chick to dinner. So he's like, you know, she's talking about torture. And uh, and then the waiter comes up and he's like, uh, <laughs> she goes, I'll have the liver, please. And he's like, no, we'll have we'll have the Chateau Bromé or whatever. And uh, she goes, no, I'll have the liver. And, and he's yeah. like, well, I guess I'll have a cheeseburger then. <laughs> it's such a such a weird scene because it's like all like in one take up until like he takes the cigarette from her. And yeah. and the, the weird thing is like she's talking all this like insane nonsense at the beginning uh, yes. with the Sounds fucking like, waiter yeah. just standing there for yeah. like five minutes while she's talking about just crazy shit. And she's chain smoking the entire time, of course. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I thought this was just such a weird little scene because first off you gotta, like he's a high schooler too, you know, like yeah. he's in high school and she's a college and kid. She's, she's a college kid. So first off, that's a little bit, interesting and then like you know he's trying to act all cool and everything but yeah it's this scene was it didn't quite link up for me but you know whatever it's okay well it's it reminded me though of like college kids who when you get a bunch of information you think you fucking know everything now so you just want to go on and on and on about all the shit you know and meanwhile you're like just shut the fuck up. Let's like let's, let's yeah. eat our dinner, you know. So from there, yeah, they're flirting back and forth, and it is funny when Pete takes the cigarette out of her hand to smoke it because he's just feeling cocky, he's feeling limitless, right? So uh, <laughs> uh, from there, they cut to Pete and Caroline walking down the street, and he reveals that his mom, his mom's dead. She died from asthma, and that's the scene I had to rewind over and over again because I'm like, what did he say she died from? Um, and he goes, yeah, she died when my mom, I, my mom died when I was like one year old. 
And then he re- at that point, he reveals that his dad is the top cop in town. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Finally, like literally halfway through the movie, the and, movie. <laughs> and in almost every single uh, like scene breakdown that I have here, I have Dash. What does Dan Shore's dad do again? And then finally I have I go I wrote down, ah, Dan Shore's dad is a cop exclamation point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious because you're like, OK, it's a little too late, but whatever. I'll, we'll take it where we can get it kind of thing. Because the movie up at this point, it's still entertaining. You know, it's just got a well, lot. Yeah, no. of, it's Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese yeah, is not the best cheese in the planet. Uh, and it and and maybe not everyone's favorite, but it's still pretty good cheese. And it's got a shit ton can, of holes in it. Can I tell you, um, and my wife will, will attest to this, Swiss cheese is my favorite cheese. Oh, no shit. Okay, well, then there yeah. you go. This movie is your Swiss cheese. <laughs> This movie is not my Swiss cheese, buddy. <laughs> it's still enjoyable, and it's got a bunch of holes in it. How about that? I'll, I, I will not okay. forget that. Now I know what your favorite cheese is. That's not a question you ask one of your best buddies. What's your favorite cheese? What's your favorite cheese? <laughs> but you know what? The other day, it's like you know, kids. Well, my you know, Bodie asked me today. He's like, "What's your favorite color, Daddy?" Now that's a typical question you ask. Your, yeah. your buddies, you know, what's your favorite, not what's your favorite cheese. Now I know. What's your favorite cheese? <laughs> what's your favorite cheese? Come on. Uh, not humble fog. No, Swiss motherfucker. So, uh, Swiss okay, motherfucker. So, so now from there, Pete goes to Caroline's, which is a sorority house. Yeah. And, with just a like, bunch of like college girls sitting around, like doing their, their hair and stuff, but with like their bra, like, like half naked and everything. I was like, oh, and I was like got, this is for yeah. fucking Fort Fairlane right it's here. It's Fort Fairlane, dude. Another reason, <laughs> another reason why I'm like, yeah, this is another reason why I picked this movie because there's so many references to other movies. And I'm watching it and I'm like, Pete, you can't see his crotch, but he clearly has a boner because he's he's got boner face where he's just like, oh yeah, he's feeling great. And uh, of course, he's he's fuck like, dude, seriously, like my my my, so I have two notes like right here back to back. The first one is ah, Dan Shore's dad is a cop! Exclamation point. And then my next note is so he's like seventeen, fucking a college girl? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's a fucking baller. So uh, so because she introduces Caroline introduces. Pete to the the girls as uh, you know, this is Pete. His dad is the top cop in town. And, and the girls are like, Oh, and then one says, well, can, can you check under my bed? And he's like, sure. And then next yes. thing you know, you, you cut to, you know, with him, with Caroline in their room. And she's like, why don't you go lock the door? You know, and they're going to get it on baller baller. baller Pete. So from <laughs> there you cut to, John and Donovan, and I love this. John and Donovan. So the sheriff and the deputy. Jesus Christ. John and Donovan <laughs> sounds like a stupid ass '70s yacht rock band, which I would totally listen to. By the way, I would too. I would too. Because <laughs> I love uh, yacht rock. It's great. So, so John and Donovan are singing the smooth songs. John, uh, and then Donovan's got a tie on, and John's like, "Where'd you get that tie? Why are you all dressed up all fancy or something like that?" And uh, Donovan's like, "Oh, I got it at Monkey Wards." I get, it's a monkey wards tie. And I remember this is a thing like old people used to fucking call Montgomery wards. For those of you that don't know was like Sears or JC Penney's um, Mervyn's is another place like that. But Montgomery wards was like, it was like essentially Sears. Uh, yeah. But, but old people called it monkey wards because they thought it was funny, hmm. I guess. At, at least I, I, 
I had a Montgomery Wards like growing up uh, in Maryland on the East Coast, but never once heard it referred to as monkey wards maybe this is a like more of a midwest thing because you grew up in michigan so maybe this is yeah. more of like a, a mid thing you know i i think it might be i think it might be but nevertheless it's fucking stupid and i hate when i, I don't know i got this thing with like old people who like you know try to get other people to say the thing they're saying you know like it's so funny you should say it no i don't want to say but it. at the, it's not funny at the same time i liked john and donovan's interaction because even oh, john was like who like like who's like he said something implying like who you dating now or oh you, you sly old bastard you know it was yeah. cute it was nice i i liked it it was it was cool it was very cool. oh it's great i i love their relationship and i love yeah. the actor that plays donovan he's because he's like I do too. I he's like a donovan. classic fucking actor man it's like you see these people from you just don't have that anymore nowadays where you see, uh, uh, you know, we all know that one old guy that's in every movie. You're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And now it's Morgan Freeman, you know, uh, or it's Donald Sutherland, but, mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. these, or, or they're like, Oh, well, we're going to go for real. So we just cast some unknown old guy. But back in the day, like these dudes were like top notch, classic actors that acted with, uh, Jimmy Stewart, you know, and Cary yeah. Grant and shit like that. And you go, man, there's just, there's no, there, there's no actors like that anymore, which is really sad. But so this dude is a fucking baller champ. I love it. It's like third time I've said baller tonight, so I'll try not to say <laughs> it anymore because um, I killed some word on another podcast episode with you, and I was like, why did I say that over and over again? Anyways, <laughs> uh, random cop shows up. Detective Shea shows up from yeah, Chicago. From, from fucking Chicago, and right away, right out of the fucking gate he's like can i get a shot of bourbon that drive down <laughs> yeah. here was fucking bad but 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 dude so first off like that's awesome but then do you notice that every time he says homicide in this movie he says homicide and it's it's like it smells it yes. sounds like he's doing home like h-o-m-e is side so he's like i'm i'm a chicago homicide detective and i'm like did he yeah. just say homicide what what <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, and that's not a Chicago thing. You wouldn't say homicide in Chicago because he doesn't even homicide? have a Chicago accent. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and and he his his entrance is hilarious because it's so misplaced. It's just at the point where John and Donovan are talking about that that they think there's they think there's two killers, not just one. And uh, this yeah this he's Detective Shea's like I took Route 66 all the way down here to this dirt town. Uh, and then he starts going on about how back in the day he found nine bodies in one house, all nurses back in 55. And, uh, and I love with, so John just splits after that. John, John just takes off, which is hilarious. It's the same thing that he did to Mrs. Haskell earlier in the movie. We're just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm leaving. Um, I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Right. I think that's a reference to a real serial killer. Um, back around the same time because that did actually happen which is really fucking creepy and yeah i feel like i don't listen to like a lot of true crime podcasts but i do listen to the last podcast on the left and i feel like i heard that at some point and, and he, sure, he even yeah. t- like says like a grisly thing like like we had to piece them together type of thing or you know implying yeah. how grisly it was. It was a, actually it was a, like a very good delivered like sort of monologue sort of thing. I was just sort of distracted by him saying homicide all the time. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm, I was also distracted by the fact that John just like got up and left. But um, you know, and I know our our boy Diallo is watching this 
or listen, watching this. I know Diallo's listening to this episode probably, and he's an expert on a lot of that shit. So maybe he can cue us in as the the serial killer that killed all those nurses. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say he's an expert on uh, uh, shit. What's it called? Irish goodbyes, where you where you just get up oh. and leave. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah. Irish goodbye. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Murphy, Michael Murphy. The guy's probably Irish, so there you go. Um, okay, so from there, we cut to Mrs. Haskell, good old Mrs. Ramblin' Gossipy Haskell. Uh, now, she comes now, did you this... notice that? Did you notice that when she pulls up to the front of the house, uh, like on the radio, they're like, tonight on Talkathon, what would you do if the bomb hit Chicago? Like, or if the big one hit Chicago? And I was like, oh, man, fucking 1981, man. Like, you know, balls deep in the Cold War. Uh, you yeah. know, you know all those movies like Day After Tomorrow and all this kind of shit, man. I, I mean, guys, it was a fucking scary time. Like, we... I, we, you and yeah. I were kind of too young to sort of even really know, but man, everyone thought they could just die at any fucking point in time from nuclear bombs. Like, I, I don't even know what it would be like to live in that level of fear at all points in time. Yeah, I mean, we talk. People are people are saying there's there's no. This is a precedent time right now with COVID and being stuck inside and not being able to leave your house and quarantine. But we've we and I'm not diminishing anything that's happening right now at all, but, but we have definitely had moments in our history in the United States where people have been scared as fuck and just like, yeah, you know, it's not the same thing, but I'm just saying there was that level of paranoia, level of fear that at at any moment, and it does create a level of tension. So that actually really nicely sets up the next scene because to me, this scene is the most tension-filled scene in the movie. And again, it feels like another movie uh, that they just put this scene into, you know? Yeah. You know it, yeah, no, I, yeah. And in leading into this, I'll just say that if the dance scene is like my favorite fun scene in the movie, this whole scene is my favorite horror aspect of the film. And they just nail it from T to B right when she walks through the house. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Why This Film Podcast looks back at the movies of your childhood. Join me, Emily Slade, each week as I step back in time to revisit the films that you grew up with. Maybe you haven't seen it for a while. Maybe you've watched it every day since you were eight. Maybe you totally forgot it existed. Whatever the movie, I'm here to go back with you through nostalgia untold and memories unnumbered. Together, we'll ask, why this film? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! 
La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Bugs. And now, back to the show. Yeah, so Mrs. Haskell walks up to the house, and there's a note on the door. It says, had to leave uh, Timothy upstairs. Let yourself in, Jane. Uh, She walks in. There's, like, shit everywhere. Yeah, more Coke on the ground. (laughs) Fucking Coke. And and a Coke. And she places the Coke perfectly in front of the camera on on the table, too. Yes. Clearly, I love love Coke. I love Coke. Out of turtles and Coke. Um, so, yeah, she, she she's, like, calling for Timothy. She hears music upstairs, so she goes upstairs. As she's walking up the stairs, you feel – I mean, I feel the tension. Something's wrong. Something's up because it, it's just mm-hmm. – it's, I, I get goosebumps, goosebumps just thinking about it. I w- was left home alone so much when I was a little kid. Uh, at night, my mom would go off on a date. My brother would be out. I was always alone at night. One night, uh, a guy tried to break into our house. I saw his face in the window, trying to pull the the window open, looking right at me. I just I froze up. This is not the first time that happened because that happened a second time when my family Jesus. was home. And I, I mean, I've over, I've I was uh, I was almost kidnapped three times when I was a kid. That's no joke. Uh, once was at a Kmart. Yeah, like, like it's Christ. that's a whole. We'll save that for a watch list. Um, yeah, yeah, so, a watch list. How many? Yeah, how many times you've been kidnapped? Yeah, that, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, Christ. I'm not. I'm not joking. I'm, the guy tried to force his way into our house one time, but thank God the chain was on the door, so he couldn't get the door open. Uh, and I was home alone when that happened. So I had this thing about fucking empty homes and not knowing you know, a staircase, like going down a staircase or going up a staircase and not knowing what's at the top of it. And you hear a weird sound and it's fucking terrifying to me. So I saw this, I can, this scene, it it still gets me, dude. Um, You know, I'm 44 years old. It's a well shot scene. It's well constructed. It's so good. This whole entire scene is, is very well made. So she walks upstairs to Timothy's room and the music's getting louder and louder and she walks into his room and you see like a Chicago Bulls poster. I just had to point that out. Cause I'm like, Oh, it is. It's yep. near Chicago. Uh, yep. I turns saw off that the too. Music, right. And she turns off the music and she's, she, he's not in there. And then she sees the bathroom down the hallway and she starts walking towards the bathroom, which the door is kind of slightly open. Um, 
and she's talking to herself and she's asking if he's okay and she sees the water running in the sink and she's like i gotta turn the water off and she's like muttering to herself and then as soon as she does she sees a dead kid in the shower and well, she sees a dead hand in the sink, or I'm sorry, a severed hand in the sink, yes. I should say. Yes, severed hand in the sink, and then she looks to the right, and she sees a dead kid who is Tim- Timothy. Well, and, and first off, Probably. he's supposed to be 11, by the way, and yes. he didn't look like, you know, it didn't look like one of those things where he was like 18, you know, or, or yeah. even worse, like 28 trying to look like, you know, 18, but he was also not 11. No, no, she's no, clearly a much older teenager kid. She freaks out, rightfully so, and she runs, odd choice, but it is what it is. She runs straight to the bedroom, doesn't close the door. I would assume that whoever did this to Timothy would still be in the house. Yeah, she's I would like run. Distraught. I would run the fuck out of the house. I, I would, too. I would, too. Although, I will say, I mean, you know, uh, she did go to tell the police. Like, I mean, she yes. did keep her head about her, I guess. She And she panicked, but but she's, th- yeah, parts of it were, like, made sense. Parts of it didn't. She's still panicked because she sees this little kid dead in the, in the tub, right, in the severed hand. So she runs to the bedroom to call the police. And you, as she's doing that, you see the closet door that's facing her open slowly. She doesn't notice. Yeah. It's so, so good. So good, dude. And it's so creepy. Um, and she falls on the bed and she's, you know, and then, and then she like hears walking like, a, and, and then like, because whoever, yeah, she hears like a walking sound, I think. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Like, sure. I think actually, I think it's supposed to be uh hacking sound like she just hears a sound but it's yeah it's kind of like a you know type of thing and um yeah you don't know what it is but you find out yeah i think it's supposed to be more of a hacking sound but yeah she's like timothy you know and like yeah i mean like i'd be terrified too because he's dead so is he a zombie or you know what you know something else we'll find out in a second yeah yeah she she walks back to the bathroom which i would I'm sorry, whatever. It's neither here nor there. She walks back to the bathroom and she pulls open the rest of the curtain to the shower tub. And there's a chick hacking into his arm, like in the tub, laying there on the side of the tub. Yeah, just just hacking at him. Now, let's call to the fact that this chick, (laughs) this chick, she's not fat. She's like a normal person, right? She's normal But size, moving yes. forward, moving forward, they were going to refer to her as overweight the entire time. But she is yes. she is the girl from uh, um, earlier, from the scene earlier who uh, was delivering the muffin. She was the girl that, uh, what's her name, says used to be 300 pounds, a real Caroline, balloon, yeah. if, you, if you know what I mean. And you know uh, I mean. it is her. You yeah, know, it's her. But, but I would like to to note that this poor girl is not fat. She's like no. a normal human size. Yeah, she yes, she's not fat. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> wait till John talks describes her because that's a whole other part <laughs> God, of the movie, I know, I <laughs> right? Know. So God, I love it. <laughs> so from there, yeah. So Haskell runs. She takes off, and the chick runs after her. And I think what scares me the most about this scene, it freaks me out the most. Is it's 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 simple. It, it's it's simple 
and and somewhat quiet in its delivery where it's not like shocking like loud music hitting you over the fucking head uh jump cuts it's just kind of like it's all kind of taking place and and what very simply and and she looks so terrified i feel terrified for her she's running down the stairs the chick is running after mrs haskell gets like stabbed in the back as like stabbed you know like it's 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 that roundabout when you have to do that roundabout on the stairs when you have to kind of like do that turnaround and the the girl's above her and kind of stabs her but to to what you're saying about how well this scene is shot it's also one of those things where you know, it's because of the budget. You don't have the time to do all these like camera setups in this movie. So yeah. there's a lot of scenes that are just like one take or a very long take. And it's usually it's it's because of the budget. But if you can work within the constraints of that, a good director like we see here can actually make a smaller budget work in, in their favor. And here it's just these very well-crafted one, like one shot scenes that, yep. you know, they just did it out of necessity, but it works. It apps every bit of this entire scene works T to B T to B T to B. And she goes down on the ground. She grabs the phone um, and she yells out on the phone something to the effect that, like, uh, you know, she starts describing the person that's yeah. killing and, her, basically. And, hey, good, good, good on her. Like, at this point, you've already been stabbed in the back. You're probably not going to make it. At least she's, like, getting the information out. Like, yeah. she has enough presence of mind to say, hey, and I think she even says, like, what house she's at. So at least she fucking, like, you know, got the information out. If I'm going to die, at least I'm going to get the information out. Yeah, Gossip Girl's got the goods, and, uh, and <laughs> right, as, right as she's doing it, uh, our 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 fat friend slashes her throat, and it's so oh, those dude. chicks, those, those big fat chicks. <laughs> yeah, there's your second Ford Fairlane reference, and if you haven't listened yep. to that episode, please do because I fucking love that one, uh, <laughs> as I too. love all of our episodes, but specifically that one too. So from there, we're now at the back at the banker's office uh, precinct and <laughs> and whatever it is to do whatever it is. And detective Shay is there and John uh, is there and the mayor is there and uh, or sorry, the mayor walks in and Shay is like looking at the mayor and he's like, you know, we're going to find, we're going to find who did this. And uh, we, we, and they, they think it's uh, a girl now because of what happened to Mrs. Haskell the night before. Now we cut to Pete at the lab, and he's got flowers for Caroline, but now someone else is at the front desk, and he asks, you know, where's Caroline? And she's like, oh, she comes in at four or whatever. Um, I, I thought but, that Caroline replacement was very unfortunate looking. <laughs> that's a very nice way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely definitely was the um, was the, 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 the understudy. The choice. Yeah, yeah, the, the understudy. Choice. I was yeah. going to say yeah. Yeah. So now and now we cut to uh, Donovan at at the college. And he's at, in the like in the in the records room or something. Yeah. And uh, and, the, and the guy that he's talking to, he's like, well, we got over two. There's over two thousand girls here. And Donovan's like, we're going to find the fat one. 
God. So now they're finding the fat girl just based on, like, first off, again, she's not fat. She's, like, she's normal not. human woman size, but yet they call her fat. And uh, he's like, we're going to – there's 135. Uh, I just – I love the fact 135 that he literally over, says we're, we're going to find the fat one. And, and, yeah. uh, and then they find 135 overweight girls. Yeah. <laughs> there's 135 over, overweight girls they have to go through. And now we're uh, now <laughs> from there, uh, Gwen, we're we're back in the lab, and Gwen brings in Pete for his second day. And, and it's some interesting back. looking room that's kind of got all this weird. It almost yeah. looks like sound padding, you know, yeah. uh, uh, that on the walls. But it's a, it's a very big open space. There's this, there's some interesting locations. Yeah, me too. I do too. It's very visually interesting. Um, but there, there's some very interesting locations in in the the university in this lab area. Yeah, it, it looks like cardboard at one point, but then you realize it's it's like yeah, it's sound installation. It's just the way yeah. the sound the wall is set up. It's really um, artistic looking. There's a movie that came out while well, Stephen Kostansky actually was talking about it on Beyond the Black Rain uh, on our interview with him, which you can listen to on our. Patreon exclusive, Stephen <laughs> Kostansky, the director of The Void and Father's Day and Manborg and the upcoming PG Psycho Gorman. Um, he what a movie we talked about uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, mm-hmm. which visually is really great, but the movie is very slow and not very good. Uh, but it, 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 it has that idea of like weird science labs where they do experiments. And this yeah. kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Phase yeah, and, four, and, I think, is another one. And Beyond the Black Rainbow was directed by the guy who did Mandy. It was his uh, his first movie. Yes. And I think he's the son of the guy who directed uh, Tombstone. But, uh, Cosmatos? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nepotism. Whatever. Uh, Mandy's <laughs> great. So listen to that. Episode yeah. Mandy's too. awesome. I got I love Mandy. Yeah. So um, Gwen brings in Pete and, uh, and then you cut back to the precinct and they're discussing the, the you know, John's and the, the whole police crews there talking about the girls. And then John is starting to realize he, he's he's gets really nervous about the the psych department about uh, at the at the college. Yeah. And you don't really know why yet. Yeah. But he's really upset about it. Yeah. yeah he Yeah. He's like, oh, the. the you know, he doesn't say that I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you know, that fucking college is like always doing experiments on people, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then you cut back to Pete and Gwen. Pete's Pete's in this room with Gwen. He's like sitting down in this chair and Pete wants to know uh, what they're doing. But as Gwen is like strapping him in and tying him to this fucking chair and she's kind of being really aloof about it. And then he's like, I want to go. I, I no, I, I, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And she's like, no, we're, we're going to do this. And then Caroline's there. Caroline shows up at her desk and she's like looking at the call sheet of like, who's, who's come in that day uh, to the research lab. And she sees that Pete's name's there. And then the police show up and they're asking, so John's there, the Shay and Donovan uh, and a couple other cops. The cop that says homicide all the time. Yeah, homicide. Shay, right? Detective Shay. And um, Caroline hides Pete's name on the medical card, like the check-in sheet. And then you cut back to Pete, and he's struggling in this chair, screaming for help. Cut back to Caroline, 
and Caroline calls Gwen right before Gwen is about, she's got this syringe in her hand, right? This huge ass fucking syringe, massive. Right before she's going to do something with it. And then the phone rings in the, in the lab and Gwen picks it up and it's Caroline calling. Now she leaves and, and she closes the door to go basically talk to the cops and Pete's trapped in this room, this soundproof room. You can't hear anything. The door is like, you know, three feet thick. And then Gwen goes to see John and Shay. And, uh, and then this is when John utters the line, you're doing an experiment on fat girls. <laughs> dude, dude, I mean, we want a list the, of all the fat girls. Jesus Christ. I mean, I, no wonder, like, p- poor, like, fucking women in the 80s, you know, uh, ha- and even, I mean, up until t- today. I mean, it's Hollywood. Like, it's insane. This poor actress is a normal-sized <laughs> human. And they yeah, call there's her nothing fat the entire over- fucking she's thing. She's not overweight. <laughs> she's Fine, normal. Like, she's yeah. normal. <laughs> but- I couldn't believe The whole time, bro, I was like, what is happening? They hate fat people so much. I was like, oh, my God. And this is another moment in the movie where you're like, they know this is funny, right? They know this is, <laughs> yeah. sounds funny. This sounds. They know she's not fat, right? Like, do, like, do they know this poor actress is not fat? It's like an Jesus element of comedy Christ. here, right? And, and does that actor know it's not pronounced homicide? No. No, he doesn't. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so movie, from man. there, that that's at that point, that's when Gwen... Or sorry, not Gwen. Caroline. Um, yeah. She puts a like a be right back sign on her desk, and she leaves. And then you cut back to Shay and John, continuing to question Gwen. And as they're doing that, John like sees to his side that Lassange's door, office, and he wants to go in. And Gwen's like, you know, it's just for show. It's after he died. It's a tribute to him, or something like that. And they they open up the door. And it's empty in there. Yeah. Uh, finally, at the same time, you go back to Caroline. She's now at the the door to where Pete is in his lab, lab three. And right as she's about to, like, open up the door, Gwen shows up and scares her off. You know, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, I was on my break or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you think Pete's going to get saved. and uh, Or yeah. you sh- should I say, you think Pete's eyeball is going to get saved. Yeah, because Pete's almost free. He's almost got himself free from his straps in the chair. But Gwen's back, and she tightens the the straps. And she takes the fucking needle out, and she just jams it in his eyeball. And it's a crazy scene, because it's one of those things where, obviously, it's on a spring. But she really sticks it in his fucking eye. Yeah, I mean, that's really Dan Shore. So, I mean, so I was watching. I was was very intrigued by it. So, yeah. So she sticks this giant needle into Dan Shore's, like, upper eyelid. First off, yeah, it's a spring, sure enough. But, I mean, if you fuck up, you can still fuck Dan Shore up, you know? And then she pulls it out quick enough so that you don't really see the spring go. Very well done. I was like, cool. Then he kind of leans out of the frame, and you can tell during that time they drop a little red, you know, sort of on his eye a little bit. You can tell someone sort of did, you know, or you just know someone did it. And then he kind of leans back into the scene, but or back into the frame, I should say, and he has kind of like blood trickling down his eye. And I was like, okay, I see how you guys did that. But at the same time, I'm very impressed that you even attempted it. 
it. Like the fact that you even attempted a an eyeball syringe in a yeah. low budget film and you pulled it off well. Again, it was another like sort of one shot take that was just probably done out of necessity because they don't have the time or the budget to do multiple setups and everything. But because of the constraints that they have, it leads itself to an awesome little fucking scene, a, a, a really cool little effect. I I really enjoyed it. I believed it. I was completely invested. Yeah, totally. It it the, I re, I was reminded of a movie that came out actually the same year called Dead and Buried. It's a cool uh, little known horror film. Anchor Bay put out a special edition DVD of it years ago. Uh, but there's a great scene in there where this guy's like in a full body cast and the nurse comes in and sticks a giant syringe in his eye as well. And it just reminded me of that. I'm like, Oh, they both came out in 81. That's kind of crazy. Both had Mm. syringes in the eyes, (laughs) but yeah, it's a great scene. So freaky, so intense. And then at this point now, Dan is like, yeah, he's bleeding from the eye and he's, he's not looking good at all. No, now you no. cut back to John, and John's like on his way home, I guess, uh, on the country roadside, and he buys flowers from a kid who has <laughs> from an the Australian worst, accent. Yeah, from the worst kid actor ever. You can you can see the kid look for his mark to stand on. Um, yeah. <laughs> the kid doesn't know what to do with his hands, and the kid has an Australian accent. They don't even try to dub it, and I was no. like, my god. No, and something there's a weird exchange there because the kids like starts apologizing for something, and he's like trying to explain why he's out there, and the co- and John's like, no, it's, it's fine, don't worry about it. It's yeah, okay. and that I think that was because the kid knew that he was a cop, but yet the viewing audience does not. <laughs> like he's not, so, yeah, and he's not supposed to be selling flowers on the side of the street. Okay, probably. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's probably it's probably dangerous. You could get hit by a car. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Good point. Uh, so he's buying the flowers. You think maybe he's probably buying them for Barbara, but he's not. He's actually buying them for Catherine's grave because that's where he's on his way to uh, in the fucking worst looking graveyard I've ever seen in my entire life. It looks like the most it's the most rundown graveyard I've ever seen. Yeah, so it's not right this scene, but it's the next scene when they come back to it. And it's all the graves like above the ground and everything. And I was like, oh, that looks like the Frighteners graveyard. And the Frighteners was also filmed in New Zealand. And I was like, it probably wasn't the actual Frighteners graveyard, but it had the same look to it, um, which I guess... Uh, I'm, I'm kind of pretty sure Nebraska doesn't have above ground, um, graves. You only do that for locations that are below, uh, water level. And that's why, uh, the graves are like that in, yeah, New Orleans because they're, they're actually below water level. So you don't see that actually, you don't see above ground graveyards a lot in America. And it was just something that I was like, okay, okay. Clearly. Yeah. I was like, this is New Zealand right here, you know? It's a good giveaway. It's still a shitty looking graveyard. Yeah. Uh, but now you cut back to the lab and Gwen is waking Pete up and Pete's got a headache. He's complaining about that. He, and, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Just like Oliver early in the movie when he's like, I feel like I got hit by a truck or train or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he looks wasted. He looks like shit. And as he's Pete leaves and I think he asks like what time it is. And, and uh, it's it's almost seven. And that's important because after he leaves, Gwen goes over to this computer and she starts logging in all these details and she writes time, 9 p.m., um, name or subject, 
Pete Brady, uh, victim, John Brady, location, yep. and there's a question mark, like you don't, there's no location yet, right? Um, yeah. And then now you cut back to Caroline. She's with Pete, like they were supposed to go on a date, and they're in the car, and they're on their way to go to Steak and Shake. Now, Barb, next scene, you're cutting to Barb is with John, and she shows him her new dress. They're at John's house, and she's like trying to, she's trying to cheer him up. She's showing him her new dress, and and John's trying to like, he he's kind of dismissing her. She's like, "Doesn't this pretty? I thought it looked really good." And he's trying to figure out who this killer is in town, or the killers are. And Barbara, this is kind of a weird moment because she like she she's she's frustrated with John. Uh, and John's like, I think it's, it's Lassange. Lassange is involved. And like, he's got this real vengeance against Lassange, but you don't know why just yet. And she's yeah. kind of getting upset and they're, and she's like, just let it go, you know? Uh, and she's tired of hearing about it. Yeah. The dead can't get revenge. Um, you know, yeah. Like I already almost lost you once to, to this whole like obsession thing. And she kind of, she just doesn't want to like see him go down this road again. And he's, but he's talking, yeah, and he's talking about how, like, he knows all the victims. Uh, there's a connection with all the victims. And uh, John confesses that he could have killed Lassange, but he didn't. And, right. and then that's when Barbara's like, you know, she, uh, she's dead, he's dead, and the dead don't come back. Yeah. And, but, but John's like convinced that Lassange is behind these murders. Yeah. So, and yeah. so cut to back to Steak and Shake, which looks like, a terrible it, it looks like in new mexico they have a lot of these they're um they're like port you know the portables you would you would go to yeah when, when that there was construction at a school and you had to go to these portables. it looks like a portable like a trailer yeah like a shitty ass like little diner yeah although i mean i did like the neon sign you know the on sign the is that great. was very 80s yeah that the was neon awesome. sign is awesome dude yeah. but then the that interior was, like interior looks very like the interior like the exterior looks very themed and everything but then you go inside and it looks like any old diner and i was like oh you didn't film inside a steak and shake though yeah yeah and the whole point they they were going there is because um he wanted to inter- he wanted to introduce her to Barbara, right? Yeah, yeah, because he obviously has feelings for Caroline. He likes her, and um, yeah. and you find out Barbara's not there, and then Pete collapses. <laughs> Pete takes a dive. I mean, he Fucking he just acting. totally like yeah. I mean, face he plants, yeah. face plants like he bounces yeah. off a table. But the the weird thing is like so, looking back on it, there's also a cop there. Yes. He looks yeah. like a cop. Why, yes. why the fuck doesn't, like, John ever look like a cop? <laughs> because cause John's just hardcore. That's how he rolls, right? <laughs> and, 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 but see, that's the thing. Like, like if you say John is, you know, John's the, the head cop of the town, but then you also never see him interacting with beat cops or anything. That's, that's the problem. Like, I, I get that John is, like, yeah. a detective or whatever, and he doesn't have to have a suit, but you, you never see him interact with any cops that have any sort of uniform whatsoever. That's what creates the disconnect for me. Yeah, they. I mean, they should have just put a fucking like patch just on his sleeve. That's fucking all put they a suit done. on him. Yeah, I, I all... mean the fact <laughs> the fact that his name is Brady. They clear. They so want to make him fucking Brody from from Jaws, but like yes. you know they make him Brady and just at least give him a fucking uniform, man. Just yeah. something. Yeah, it's not like yeah, like just something, just one little thing. But they don't obviously. Um, and then 
And then so from from yeah, so the cop helps the cop and Caroline help Pete to the bathroom. Um, and he get, gets to the bathroom, and then this is this is an, an intense scene. So for the, you see a shot; it's Pete from behind, like going to take a piss in the toilet, and you can't see, you know, where his dick is. But all of a sudden, you see just blood just spray out into the toilet. Just spray, just straight up, like he cut a fucking oh. artery, man. It's yeah. Oh, oh god, it's so, it's <laughs> oh. so gross to watch, man. So I, gross. I don't, I hate it. I hated it, but at the same time, <laughs> I applauded it. You know, for yes. for for going there. But yes. oh god, it gave me the fucking heebie-jeebies. The whole scene, I was grabbing my fucking penis. I was like, no, yeah. no, no. You will grab your cock, and even if you don't have one. <laughs> You will grab it anyways because be exactly like, it's it's that bad, uh, and so at that point Pete like looks in the mirror, you know, and they're like, "You okay?" He's like, "I'm okay." And he comes out and he's like, "I gotta go." And uh, Catherine's like, "Well, let me take you home." And then then they cut to the cemetery, back to the cemetery. John is now back at the cemetery with Barbara, and as they're walking, Barbara like loses her, her heel, breaks off her shoe, and like. What's the significance of this? Nothing really. Nothing. She's just kind of complaining. She's actually kind of an annoying character at this point because you're just like, he he's like on a mission. She's like, well, why are we doing this? And then, yeah, because there's not enough detail as to yeah. why she's so upset. They haven't really expanded upon this. Um, this was is, like my. This was probably like my least favorite little scene in too. the movie. Because yeah. um, because even when they get to. Uh, Lestrange. I always want to call him Lestrange. Um, Lestrange. Even when they get to his his little crypt thing, and and John's you know trying to scrape it away, he asks her. He's like, "Can you get your fingers in here?" And she's like, "What?" Yeah. And he's like, "No, never mind. I'll use the crowbar." I was like, "Why did you even have that like line of dialogue, anyways? Other than maybe just to show like maybe why she would be there." But there was no point to her to be there at all. No, there's no point to her being there. This fee, this scene feels a little like it does feel improvised to me a little bit. Like there's just kind of not knowing where this is all going to play out. They, right. The, the point of the, the scene is to get the coffin, Lassange's crypt open, pull his coffin out and see if his body's in there. Right. But to get to that point, it is. Yeah, it's a little it's 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 irritating because she she's annoying uh, he's not really making sense. You're not un- really understanding why he's so passionate about this. You do afterwards, though, yeah. because they finally get the they pull the crypt open, pull the coffin open, open it up, and it's empty except for two leg bones. Except for two leg bones, where his like head would be, yes. and they're like perfectly placed there. Yes, which is very odd. Um, yeah. Now we cut back to. John and Barb are at the house and John is uh, sees John sees Pete and Caroline there and John's upstairs loading his gun and, and uh, Pete and why why does he put on his glasses to to yeah. for this you know what I mean like yeah, he, there's this yeah. weird scene where he like he like puts on his glasses and he like looks in the the mirror and you know it, 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 it's it's shot like it's supposed to have some kind of significance. Um, but I'm thinking as somebody who wears glasses, I'm like, well, 
why weren't you wearing your glasses the entire time, right? Um, maybe they're just like sort of shotgun goggles. Like they're more like protective glasses. But it was a weird scene. He's just like he puts on his glasses and he's like looking in the mirror. And you don't really get a sense of like why it's important that he has his glasses on. Well, you know, when Barbara is talking about earlier to him about how, you know, he she almost lost him or, or he, you know, he almost he almost lost it when this all went down the first time, I get the sense that this is what he used to look like. Oh, cause you do look different with your glasses on. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Agreed. And, yeah. and so, and I was the same way. I wore glasses for 20 years and then I stopped wearing them. And now it took me a while to get used to it. Cause I felt like I looked like a totally different person. Um, I get the sense that that's what he, he wore glasses when they, when he was married and then oh, okay. the, the wife died. And so, like that changed him right and he's never been the same ever since none of that is in the movie but i will accept all of that i think that's <laughs> i you. think that's I, I like where you're going with that um yeah. yeah i think he was looking at himself in the mirror like this is what i used to look like the last time i sort of had to go up against this guy or whatever you know um yeah. okay cool i'll buy that i'll buy that good so that's so that's that, acceptable that, to me <laughs> that, that, so that so that as that's going down pete's acting strange right and um and, and john leaves and barbara like yells at him to ask if he wants her to call anyone and then pete asks where he's going and then you cut to the precinct and john's like loading up his shotgun he's getting fully armed now and you cut back to John's house. Yeah, this is where we get the actual the the actual backstory of what's going on. Yeah, now here's the you know the flashback scene as well. Uh, that John, uh, Pete's mom worked with Lassange. There was a scandal uh, at the lab at the during the, all the the crazy experiments that were going on. Um, John was noticing that his wife was on edge, and she was upset one night. Uh, he was upset one night when she didn't come home and then they kind of do this flashback of what is supposed to be her, I guess. Right. And, um, she's in the hospital now and he's like saying, she said she was drowning. She was smother. She was smothering on her, on her, like she couldn't breathe. Yeah. And then, she had, she had, yeah, she had like asthma, but she said like for like an hour, like she was in the hospital, like dying or something, like saying she couldn't breathe, like she was being suffocated, and it took like an hour. They specifically said that, and so you yeah. get the sense that yeah, it was almost like she was getting killed from a distance, right? Yes. Like, like, but again, that's something that just doesn't play out any further, other than maybe adding a layer of of mystery and intrigue to her death, I guess. I think, and also it, it, it leads to Lassange doing experiments, all these random experiments, you know, thought like, like he did the experiment with the chicken, you know, yeah, making the chicken do things. Uh, they don't expand upon it enough, but it's, it's like I'm having to build a universe that doesn't yeah. exist. You know what I'm saying? It's fine. I don't mind because I think it's still a quirky enough movie, but it is annoying because you're like, oh, I have to kind of fill in these blanks myself you know i wish they would have done that i don't mind doing that i don't mind doing doing it either bro in fact i I actually like that i actually i'm okay with that but usually in that case 
um, the the creator, you know, has created has crafted a world that even you know they may know what everything does, but it, nothing contradicts itself here. I feel like sometimes even the creator didn't even quite know what was going on, but I gave yeah. it a pass on on a lot of stuff, you know, truthfully. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. it's not the it's not the tightest uh, uh, scripts that we've ever seen. It's not. Then, like we both said, there's enough there's enough going on in this movie for it still to be passable yeah. because it's just different, right? So yeah, different so, and entertaining, very very yeah. entertaining. And this is th- this whole time Barbara's doing this kind of breakdown explanation as to what happened, and she's like, "Well, and then I moved to Florida, um, and so now you cut to John." And, and, and I gotta say, and I'm yeah. sorry, I, I gotta say, Dan Shore does a great fucking job, like uh, emoting during the scene, and like yeah. I liked there was I, I don't know why I picked up on this, but there was um, out of focus behind him, there was a clearly a picture of his mom, and then kind of him next to it. There was one quick glance that he. He like gave over to his the picture of his mom, but you could tell that like the character couldn't deal with it, so he looked back really quick. And I was like, man, that was just like a a nanosecond of gold from Dan Shore, you know? Yeah. Like I was like, God, he he's great in this movie. I I will a hundred percent admit that Dan Shore is fan fucking tastic in this film. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I think the guys the guys a really good actor. And, he, and this this film really showcases how good of an actor he is. Tron didn't do that because he's only in it for like 15 minutes, you know, <laughs> if you yeah. think about it. Um, so, yeah. So from there, you cut back to John. John's at the college and he's breaking into the college. And then you cut back to the house, uh, John's house. And Pete wants to go help his dad. And he splits. And Catherine goes, uh, you know, Caroline goes with him. And Caroline and Caroline says shouldn't we call the police? And I was like, motherfucker, his dad is the police. <laughs> yeah. He's the one he's, you know, what he's the police who knows who the fuck that one cop was, um, at steak and shake. But I clearly like that. He's the only cop in town. You know, I, I think that one cop at steak and shake was probably state, like a, like a highway patrolman or something. I don't think he was like local. Cause he would have known like who, you know, uh, Pete was and everything. Yeah. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. So now, yeah, they they, they take off, and uh, you cut back to John, and he's stalking the hallways of this of the of the research lab with his shotgun, and Gwen is in this lab, and John follows her. She's like walking very methodically, and he's like trying to sneak up behind her basically and she's acting like she doesn't know he's behind her but you clearly she does she walks into this lab she walks in it's not the same lab that pete was in earlier but it's the same similar with these giant like three foot doors like almost like the the giant ass doors at the beginning of Tron when they sneak into uh, Incom yeah. and there's yeah. that giant door. There's like these weird rooms in this movie that are have huge doors on them. The whatever the location that they found was actually very interesting. It's really cool. Yeah. So John follows her in into this lab, and suddenly she's not in the lab that he followed her into. The door behind him slams shut. Uh, there's a monitor on, she appears on the monitor and, uh, the glass is bulletproof because John shoots at the glass. (laughs) Yeah. And you cut back to Pete with Caroline 
and Pete just looks fucking zonked as they're driving. Yeah, he's not looking good at all. Yeah. And, and you know, she's, like, questioning what's going on, and he mumbles something. I don't know what it necessarily – they get to the – they're at the college now, and he mumbles something, but I'm not sure what he says. And he fucking slams her head against the, the glass window, passenger window, and smashes yeah. her, smashes the glass. It's really intense. Yeah, I, I didn't expect that. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he just, like, nonchalantly just takes her head and just goes bop, you know, just against the glass. And uh, it, it was a, it was very effective. Like, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, it's, it's intense. And uh, he parks the car, and he goes off to the lab. Cut back to John. He's asking for Lissange. And he calls Gwen a cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> yeah, I like and, that. Uh, I saw. I noticed that. I was like, "Yeah, you t- you call her that." Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's great. And this is this reminds me of of his role in Cloak and Dagger a little bit when he's just like getting you know real down and dirty, and he's like saying shit that'll like you know I'm gonna get you. And he goes, uh, he goes, I'm gonna. Re-, he goes, I remember you. He goes, you remember me, don't you? I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna give you the big one this time. <laughs> And he goes, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to blow the two of you. I'm going to blow the two of you to bits. And after that, I'm going to blow you off this fucking planet. (laughs) (laughs) So great. (laughs) And right after he says that, it's so great. He's so fucking great when he's had this, this bit of dialogue where he's just like, he's so evil, but so angry and so vigilanteism. You know, there's like that, that level of just, you know, I've had enough and I'm going to destroy you because you killed my wife. Uh, and then now Pete's in the lab out of nowhere and he looks like a zombie. And John goes up to Pete and he's like, what do they do to you? You know, and then Gwen instructs John, uh, instructs Pete to take the gun from John. Yeah. And, and then Gwen says, give him the gun or, or, or she's like, or yeah, or shoot him. Like, you either let him have the gun or you shoot him. She's like, I don't have a gun. I can't stop you. So, I yes. mean, this there's like an underlying thing of like behavior or like or just like behavior modifications. Yeah, she's like, yeah, I can't stop you. I don't have a gun. But, yeah, if, if yeah. basically if you want to not give your gun to your son, you're going to have to kill him and plot. And he does. He gives him the guns yep. and Peep takes both guns. Um, and then cuts back to the car where Pete had demolished Caroline and, uh, and there's these dudes and this chick, they're playing Frisbee at night. Yeah, and of course. The fr- and they're, and it's, it's the, the typical, like these guys, these people are like 28 years old and they're playing yes. college kids, you know? Yeah. And they're talking like, what, bro? Totally. What's going on, bro? You know, <laughs> it was, I was like, oh Jesus Christ. Yeah, and they they discover they see they see Caroline at the uh, smashed against the car and and uh, and and the girls like you know we gotta call the police right and then you cut back to Pete is now putting John in a chair and he's tying him up just like uh, you know similar thing to happen to Pete earlier in the movie and then right. you cut back to Catherine she's getting taken care of and you cut back to Gwen and she's entered yeah so it now- should be. I'm sorry. It should be noted that Catherine isn't dead. Like she, she wakes up. She's Caroline, like, oh, yeah. you know, my head. But or, I'm sorry, Carolyn. Um, she's not dead, but she's she's got a big fuck fucking gash in her head. Yeah, because at first, at, that's right. At first, the the dudes think she's dead. 
but it turns out she's not dead. Right? Yeah. And then it, it just keeps cutting back and forth between what's going on in the lab to what's going on on outside. And in the whole thing with them finding Carolyn is just to get the cops there at the end, essentially. Yeah, exactly. It, that, that's she's the she's the the catalyst that gets them in there. Yeah. And uh, and now you're back in the lab, and Gwen's now entering the lab, and with Nagel from earlier in the movie, and Nagel's right. in a wheelchair, and he comes up via. An elevator that is clearly the slowest elevator ever. And I think when they set up this shot, they didn't know that the elevator was going to be that slow because it looks cool, but it's so slow that they have to like cut back and forth to like him slowly rising up. And it's, you could, I could just literally, I could literally feel the frustration from the director of of like being like, why the fuck is this elevator so slow? But. Ultimately, it was interesting to to have, you know, this old man in a wheelchair come up. Um, But question, it's supposed to be Nagel, but he has no legs. And Nagel had legs in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really because it's clearly the same Nagel. But Nagel was walking around earlier in the films, albeit slowly because he's an old man. They don't explain that. Uh, they, because because what ends up happening is Nagel says hello, Mister Brady, and to John, and he starts pulling off his face, the, which is now makeup and a wig, to reveal that it is Lassange. Dun dun dun! And he says, "My legs are gone." It's but the I live same on. guy from from the the videos at the beginning, and yes. and like same age and everything, but his legs are gone, and why? Yes. I don't understand why. I guess I, they don't. Yeah, they don't explain why. Why uh, he had to cut his legs off to put in the coffin, and yeah, no, they don't wait, explain so, why so, he could so walk. So is that earlier. it? Did he he cut his legs off to put in the coffin? Like, is that really it? Because yeah, like. First off, there are these two like perfectly preserved femur bones, you know, in yeah. in the coffin when they find it. No decay, just perfect femur bones. And and he's like, I would gladly lose any part of my body to science or whatever, but there's no explanation as to why. And yeah. then if he is Nagel, if that was him the entire time as the assistant, as the old man assistant, then was he just like you did he have fake legs then like is that what he so he's like okay I'm, I'm not this is this is where i mean it kind of lost me here i'm like so oh, so totally as his master that. plan he's like i'm gonna cut off my legs and then i'm gonna learn how to walk with fake legs so i can be <laughs> old I, I just it didn't add up and i'm like okay but i will say this i love the fucking guy who plays lasange yeah. I, I like him even though he's only in it kind of briefly, I, I liked him. Um, I just didn't understand what his ultimate plot was, like what his ultimate goal was out of this whole thing. Yeah, ne- neither did I. Neither did I. At this point, I'm like, this is, they've gone off the fucking rails. Uh, you know, totally. they're, they're, they're clearly didn't. There are so many gaps at this point that they haven't filled in. Um, it, it's, it's a gap fest. And uh, Gabe Fest, I guess. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so they, 
but but they're they're still going with it. It's you know, and it's almost like they just want you to forget about all the other shit that happened early yeah. earlier in the movie. They're like, oh well, this is an entirely different movie now. Uh, not entirely different. It's just like well, all the other things. Is, just just assume that you know what's going on already, and it's it's. I will say, it's not so harshly of deviation where you're like, I have no idea that's going, what's going on because you do know what's going on. Now you do know that Lassange is still alive. He's pretending that he's dead, but he's, he's been doing these tests on these kids to kill people, basically furthering his research, the research, what it is. There's no clear point to it. It's more just like, it's just scientific research, you know? Yeah. Um, It's, it's like that whole – it's like the Frankenstein idea. It's like just yes. science gone amok. I mean he does have a line saying that like, you know, his pill will cure, you know, like just all these mental defects. It'll make everybody smarter, yada, yada, yada. It, yeah. it doesn't matter. Um, he, he's, he is the mad scientist here. Yeah, because he says, you know, since I've been dead, I've, I've made great progress. And then John's like, oh, I should have killed you when I had the chance. And Lassange says, you know, Pete has his mother's genes. I was so happy. I was so happy to lose her. Pete will be the beneficiary of the research and new drugs to help backward children and the disturbed. <laughs> backward children. Backward children. Jesus. Yeah. So now at this point, he puts a scalpel. And, and, and by the way, I'm sorry. I got to. Uh, he, he said he was uh, unhappy to lose her. You said. He yes. Was sorry. So unhappy to lose her. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Um uh, and and then at this point he puts a scalpel in Pete's hand, Lassange does, and Pete starts fucking slicing his arms open with this scalpel, like both arms. Yeah, he's doing the the suicide the, arteries. Yeah, the the real way to, to to slit your wrists. And there's a there's this crazy scene or like a piece of dialogue where like John says something like. Uh, you know, don't you know? Don't hurt my son. I don't know what he says. Something and and yeah. Lassange is like, like, oh no, he he won't remember anything tomorrow. He and I'm will like, not be um, I mean, his arms will be sliced open, but he may not. Like, but he said it so like nonchalantly, like like as if Pete didn't just like gash his arms open. He's like, oh no, 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 it's okay. Pete will be fine. He he'll be okay <laughs> tomorrow. Like I didn't. I didn't understand any of this because at first he's saying yes, Pete's going to be the benefit, uh, the benefit. He's going to get his mom's genes. Yeah, beneficiary of mom's genes. Blah blah blah. But he's telling him to slice his arms to die. I, I don't. It didn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like he made did, it sound like Pete was going to be fine, but yet he instructed him to to kill himself. So I don't get it. Yeah, it's it's really it, it, it's. It's so uh, like shittily, shittily put together. If shittily is a word, because it, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why would he want him to slash his own wrists? Because yeah, you're gonna yeah. die from that. You're gonna lose so you're much gonna, fucking blood. You're gonna die yeah, from so, that. Yeah, exactly. Like I didn't understand uh, if he wanted to hit Pete to be alive afterwards or not. Doesn't make sense. I, yeah, it didn't. I didn't get it. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make sense at all. Um, I mean, it, it's a shocking moment though when it happens. You're like, "Holy shit!" He's just slashing his wrist. It's almost like they just had all these great moments in their mind, and that they just didn't know what to write right. in the script yeah. to make it effective. Um, and so, you know, yeah, John's like, you know, leave my son out of this, and uh, and then he has Pete pick up an even bigger knife now, and Lassange says, "Pete, kill your father," and then Pete is like kind of 
looking at him, looking at John, and then he looks at him, and then Pete stabs Lassange, and then Gwen, yeah, and then Gwen like just gets in, tries to like break up the whole thing, and Lassange is like, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> which is really funny because he's like, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay, take two. <laughs> Take Pete, two. And then he gets stabbed again. Your father. <laughs> and he stabs him again. Because he because Lassange holds Gwen back at this point. And then Gwen splits. She leaves. And Pete's standing there with a knife in his hand. While John like looks on. He says, You are because after he stabs him the second time, Pete says, You are my father. Dun yeah. dun dun. Yeah, dude. I was it, like when did I was Empire like waiting Strikes for you to like like deliver that i was like dude because he is his father and i'm like what the fuck like there's no build up to that whatsoever and they don't even go anywhere from it so he stabs fucking lasange in the neck and he's like you are my father and that's it like i mean like as far as like that pot like like is he is that the case like is that real is it so yeah because what what's what's happening with that drug is it makes you 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 are you are like devoid of thought. So you're purely going off of like instinct. That's what I think you're going off of like you're being controlled. And then, you know, if he's, if he's going off of like what he knows internally, like chemically, he knows that he is Lasange's son. That's crazy. So he, he's, he's, he's not John's son. He's Lasange's son. And because Lasange had an I, affair with, so with, uh, yeah, with the mom. So like, I was literally, Today, I was like, I was in the shower, kind of just thinking about the movie and everything. And I was like, I feel like the entire premise of the movie was someone saying, hey, what if this guy creates an army of kids to kill their fathers and then one kid kills him because the shocker is he's his father and i was like i felt like that was that like that whole twist was the entire crux of the movie but it was not at all like layered in at all you know because at that point it's almost like they're speeding everything up they're like oh we just we gotta we gotta finish this movie because we're like at the hour 35 mark (laughs) (laughs) it's supposed to be an hour 40 long yeah they they the execution the reveal is shocking because you're like whoa it's very unexpected when he just jams a it's hilarious when it happens because he does it once and then Lasange's like, no, 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 no. Your father. Kill your dad. Yeah, your but, father. But he's no, still no, very not much. Not me. Because <laughs> yeah. and he's already been he's been knifed, and Lasange doesn't even flinch. He's like, no, 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 no. Your father. <laughs> and he just, and then then that's when yeah, Pete looks at me and goes, you are my father, right? And I'm thinking, wait, when did Empire Strikes Back come out? I, I was I was gonna say this actually uh, has a little Empire Strikes Back to it, mm. a little re- role reversal, uh, uh, if bit. you will. <laughs> so there you go. So that happens. Uh, Gwen splits. She opens up the lab door. She gets she she tries to take off, and when she does, Donovan's there. And Shay, the cops, the cops are there. And Pete gets taken away on a stretcher as Gwen's getting arrested. And, uh, you know, John's in a, in a daze. And he looks at, and that's the, that's the moment too. Like John, uh, that's a cool scene because John like looks at the camera in shock. You say that's a cool scene, but but when John looks at the camera in shock, the paramedic behind him also follows his eyeline and looks at the camera too. I know. I'm like, you 
fucking idiot. <laughs> like, if that was your only up, take? Come on. I guess, because John's face is cool. Like, that, the, the, yeah, the shocking moment. Because you're like, God damn, his world has just been fucking blown up. So is mm-hmm. Pete's, too. But Pete's not even going to remember any of this the next day. No, he's know? not going to It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Smashing his girlfriend's face in and all that good stuff. And now we cut to the next scene, which is the daytime countryside uh and john and then like there's scenes of the country same old those those beautiful shots you love so much and then now we're at this bar which very again reminds me of phantasm where it's like they had a they had a chance to shoot the scene with nobody in the bar maybe before the bar opened like it just feels very kind of fake in a way because you're like yeah where, where 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 is everybody um and john's there with pete and donovan and the bartender you know asks what they want and he's got this horrible irish accent he's like oh what do you want (laughs) (laughs) and john's like you know i I want a beer and bourbon and the bartender uh and pete's just like i'll just have a beer and he's like how old are your son and and and, uh john's like you know don't you recognize him and don't you recognize this, this is my son and he's like, oh, he didn't, he didn't recognize you because you're in your suit. And they kind of laugh. And then you cut to the wedding. And now John is getting married to Barbara. And everybody, everybody's there from the whole movie. You know, the, the teacher's there. Um, yep. Caroline's Donovan's there. there. <laughs> Donovan's there. And then after they, you know, they, they get married. And then Pete is now with Caroline. And Caroline re- says, you know, were you nervous? And, uh. And then Pete says, you know, I just kept looking at him and, and thinking, he he looks so great. <laughs> and you cut the the end. That's it. The end. Yeah. That was it and was it, such a It's like a cast reveal like it is in Predator where they show a scene of everybody. Yeah, dude, I was like, uh, that was very Predator-esque when they do all the cast with their, like, headshots and and clips from the movie or whatever. Um, Bro, this was a bizarre one, buddy. This was a weird one. (laughs) And I chose it for that reason. I was like, you know what? I'm going to choose something that I haven't seen in a while. I remember it being so just weird and really go down that cult road. This is a cult film. Yeah. Like people yeah. that know about this movie, know cult movies, people that don't yeah. know about this movie should watch it. In my opinion, should watch it so that they get a sense of like, just what weird shit is out there. And I mean, and I kind of fall into that category, even though, you know, we have a cult movie podcast. Um, I, I will be the first to admit that your level of knowledge is is much higher than mine. And for me, this uh, the this year that we've been doing this has definitely been like a, a cult um, college for me, a cult movie college. But um, yeah, so I'll kind of spring off of that and say like just the bad part first there's a lot of holes in this movie oh yeah um plot hole wise and and normally that's not a big deal to me i can live with that in this it was it was a lot it really was a lot there's a lot of threads that i really wanted to to kind of see where they went and and some of them didn't go anywhere and actors that i really liked that kind of just you know like like jimmy olsen just kind of fell off um yeah 
And and of all the stuff that you so far that you've sort of shown me, you know, sort of introduced me to uh, Horror Express and everything, I, I truthfully have to say this is probably my least favorite of all of that stuff. <laughs> but that is not to say that I disliked it by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't dislike this at all. Um, but it's not my favorite of all the stuff that we've seen yeah it's it's not tight it's it's just it's not at all tight and that is kind of a problem and to its detriment but there is a lot of stuff to enjoy here there's a lot of performances to enjoy and it is i think a movie that you should see at least once i think it has influences or i should i should say it has influenced movies uh, you know after it and everything i i do think that it has a place and i yeah. think that it should be celebrated i think that it should be you know watched i think that it should be a part of your collection but it's not going to be a movie that you go to as frequently as like the stuff or as frequently as horror express or, or, you know, any of the other movies that we've done so far, but not every movie needs to be the stuff, you know, not every movie needs to be perfect. I can see the value in this film. I I see where, where it sits. I, I see, you know, why you picked it and, and I, I highly recommend it, but, I don't like just knowing just know that like it's not going to be one you pop in as often as you do the stuff. It's not going to be something even even Night of the Comet. I I, honestly I would probably watch Night of the Comet, you know, over this. But I still have to advocate that it's it's an important movie. I still think that you should watch it if you've never seen it before. And while I didn't quite love it. I am so beyond thrilled that I have it in now in my knowledge and I have it like as a as a piece to the bigger, you know, cult movie puzzle that that we've been kind of going down. I'm I'm glad I have it a part of my collection. I'm glad that we did it on this podcast. And and I feel like I, I keep trying to, you know, kind of compensate for the fact that I didn't quite love it. But I don't think you have to love a movie to appreciate it truthfully. And I appreciated the fuck out of this film um i appreciated it just for the fact that you know zach you gave me like another movie to really enjoy dan shore in you know like to actually know more about um more of his body of work and and like i said earlier uh mark what's his name jimmy olsen fan fucking tastic in this film actually actually everybody is fantastic in this movie the faults of this movie lie in the script not in the directing, not in the cinematography, not in the acting. It's just in the script. And I just wish it could have been tight, tightened up. But at the same time, I appreciate that they – I do think that they tried to – I think that they kind of overstepped what they were capable of, like, sort of doing. But I applaud them for trying, truthfully. I I really, really applaud them for, for really trying to do something here. And, um, bro, we, we can't we can't end this this podcast of three hours and not talk about disturbing behavior. I mean, right? The oh, movie it, Disturbing Behavior is— That movie ripped us off. A, yeah, it's, it's a remake. I mean, it's essentially yeah. a remake of this. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't believe it's sanctioned. It's, it's a, so so yeah, if it's not sanctioned, it's a ripoff, right? Like, that, yeah. that's kind no, of how that goes. It's a ripoff because that, I do like that movie. 
Um, yeah, me too. I actually do and, too. And but it 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 is it it is a total rip. And that was that was my lead up. That was going to be my lead up eventually, as well. That that movie. I'm like, I remember seeing this and going, this movie reminds me of something. And then I watched Disturbing Behavior again, and I'm like, holy shit, this is Disturbing Behavior. I, I mean, um, it's it's like you can clearly see, you know, the guy, the whoever, the guy or the gal, whoever created Disturbing Behavior, clearly watched this and was like probably thought what we did like like yeah it's i enjoy it i like the concept but you know it it, it really can be remade it it, it, it could be oh. like expanded upon you know and there yeah. was actually some some lore to this film that i would actually like to see expanded upon further so i can totally see how the the writer of disturbing behavior watched this movie and was like you know what i can probably do a better job and Honestly, you did disturbing behavior. You did do a better job, but well, you we wouldn't have disturbing behavior if we didn't have dead kids, aka strange behavior. Truthfully, and I think, and I think too, in the name disturbing behavior tells you everything you need to know that I think that it was an homage or a ripoff of strange behavior. Yeah, I, I think. Look, I think this movie. You could go up and down the list of. 80s horror sci-fi movies that are flawed and like and 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 pick apart all of movies that we all love that we know really well and say oh yeah that that's cheesy or that didn't make sense or this didn't make sense this film has a lot of plot holes to the point where you constantly eventually you just go okay well if I, if I'm going to enjoy this movie I just have to let it all go and and I think for me, the merits that this film has make up for the shortcomings, like certain scenes, the the dance scene, the, the Mrs. Haskell getting killed scene, the uh, even uh, Waldo getting stalked, uh, Waldo and Lucy in the car, and then the killer scene, um, the final reveal of the being the father, yeah, Lassange being his father scene, like while the they don't all continuity match up together very well. <laughs> it's still really fucking entertaining. Like hands yeah. down, I, I could, you know, watch this movie and go, it's just got enough positive stuff in it for you to go. Yeah. I'll watch this again. Yeah. Then yeah. I'll check this and, out. And, and yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Like I will watch this movie again and I will recommend it too. That's the thing. I will recommend it, but it's just it, very it, loose and plot, plot hold. Yeah, it's it's just very loose, and it's just it doesn't quite have that zany quality that, like, say, the stuff has. You know, um, to kind of for me offset some of the bad stuff. Uh, no pun intended, but it's still like I said. I I appreciate what it tried to do. I always appreciate when when creators uh storytellers really try to go for it you know and, and they say i don't care about the budget let's try to do this thing and see if we can pull it off and i think yeah. you know they did a good job and especially in the scenes that that we really highlighted and and you just mentioned those scenes are exceptionally good um but yeah just the movie as a whole is is not perfect but that that doesn't make it a bad movie. Well, no, it does make it a bad movie, but not in our terms. Like not in in the enjoyment of like nostalgic 
cult movie terms. That and honestly, that actually makes it more enjoyable, right? In, in our terms, but the it does have a lot of potholes, and it's not going to be the kind of movie where you put it on in the background at a party. It's it's not that kind of movie. You actually do kind of have to pay attention to it to get the things out of it that that is going to be entertaining, but. Everybody who listens to this show, and if you are new to this movie like me, I don't know if I can just say, like, buy it. I I can't quite recommend just straight up buying it cold, but I do recommend that every one of our listeners has to watch this movie at some point. It, It is necessary, and I truly thank you for showing it to me. Yeah, dude, I, I think actually this movie is is a perfect example of what a cult movie is, where you go, like... This didn't make sense. That made sense. This is weird. It's got so many unique qualities to it where you go, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Yeah. And and then and then enough moments where you're like, that made no fucking sense whatsoever, but it's still really entertaining. Like that yeah. to me is is cult, you know. So I you know, I would say I got these off of actually I don't even know if Severin still has this uh, brand new you might have to track it down on ebay uh which is where i did um but yeah dude like i'm glad you watched it i'm glad we put it on our show because i feel like it's one of those movies that definitely would would, would get forgotten but if you if you just on paper say look at the cast look at the the kind of um climactic moments in the film you go god damn i want to check this shit out you know and, uh, and, and, and the dance scene again, the dance scene alone is, is worth the price of admission in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree, dude. And I mean, you know, t- take it with, for what it's worth. Um, you know, I mean, so far I've already dedicated what four and a half hours to this movie, three hours talking about it, hour <laughs> and 40 minutes watching it. And I don't regret a minute of it. So while it's not my favorite one that we've done so far, I don't hate it. Like, I would never say, so far we have not done a movie that I I would say, oh, no, this this sucks. I would never recommend it. You know, like, th- this is, it just happens to be the lowest one so far, you know? And, yeah, and that's, yeah. and there's got to be, like, in, like I said, not everything can be the stuff, you know? Like, not everything can be just pure and utter joy. <laughs> that is the stuff. And, and pro- that is probably one of my uh, favorite episodes uh, that we've done. And, and I got to add, that is my wife's favorite episode. So, um, but I just, again, reiterate, I do think it should be watched. I do think uh, guys and gals out there, all of our padsters, um, track this one down. Whatever way you can see it, just try to see it. I do not recommend paying any more than maybe 15 bucks for it if you can. <laughs> but uh, if it's it just, I, I can't. I, I'm sorry, you know. But it should be watched. You absolutely need to see it it is important to the canon of cult films you know i would definitely put it above night of the comet (laughs) (laughs) for i'm telling you for the uh for the simple simple like moments that the this terrifying uh kill scene is so creepy and so intense and i'm like i don't think i think actually that's out of all the movies we've done that that's one of my favorite like intense scenes. It's good. It's real it's really good. And now the funny thing is like 
<laughs> it would depend on what the venue was. If you said, I, yes. I, I'm having a party and I just want the volume off and I want just visuals, I would say Night of the Comet. If you're like, I want to sit down and For watch sure. a movie and kind of, you know, get into the story, I would say watch this. Because I think there was actually a little bit more meat on the bones. Some things didn't go where I wanted them to go and they kind of just fell off. But I, again, I really applaud them for trying to layer in some like, like mythos to this, some lore, at least if it's just in the movie itself, you know? And, and again, they really, they really tried to craft something, craft something special. And, uh, I, I think a lot of the limitations just probably came from budget and time and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. it's still a beautiful movie. It's it's beautifully shot. And uh, honestly, at the end of the day, I'd recommend it just for fucking Dan Shore, man. Dan Shore I, fucking yeah. killed it in this film. And it almost makes me want to go back in time and give that guy a bigger career, you know? He he deserves it because he's, he's so good. Yeah. And, and, and I would say if you're a fan, if, if you're a fan of disturbing behavior or um, Beyond the Black Rainbow or if you've heard of Blue Sunshine, which I highly recommend you check out because that movie's fucking crazy too, um, you'll you'll enjoy this. If you're a fan of like surreal, even phantasm, like if you're a fan of like that that idea of like, well, why do things happen this way and it, it, things just kind of move along at a weird pace, it has elements of that. And I think enough, like on paper, it sounds really good, you know. And yeah, and if you want something just kind of weird. Like different, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I like do. I do the, like the yeah. weirdness of it. It's really weird. It's a weird movie. It's just it is. It's very strange, if you will. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> oh man, good good times though. I thank you for opening my eyes to this. Um, I, I I just don't want you to think that I didn't enjoy my time with it. You know what I mean? Like no, I do. I, I and I like I was like I said earlier. This is uh this pick and my future pick are 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 connected in a way and you'll know the minute you realize, open it up. And the reason I did that is cuz I wanted to go down a slightly different road, you know. With you, with you I was going down the very similar road of like exploitation, exploitation, exploitation. And then even the stuff is exploitation. And and I thought, well, no, I'm going to make a left turn now and take do something that I've never done before. Um, and let's try it out, you know? And I'm, Dude. oh, and main, I did mainstream already with Ford Fairlane. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's do some, something different again. And I love it, man. Like truthfully, like when I see these movies that I've never seen before, like horror express and this it's, this is awesome, bro. This is literally everything that I fucking wanted. I, 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 you know, we started this together. Um, I thought I knew more than I did. You quickly blew me out of the water. I never want to make any like, like bones about it. You, you destroy me when it comes to, to knowledge on these movies. And like, uh, even Bert, when I was talking to him, he's like, this is a Zach pick, isn't it? He's like, and he was like, he's so obscure. He's so weird with his stuff. And I'm like, I know I love it. It's like going to school, man. This is, this is so fucking awesome. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm a better, like, like, you know, not more, not, I feel like I'm more knowledgeable now be, because of it. So 
again, like I said, it's it's so weird because I I truly I loved talking about this movie. I loved I loved living in this moment. I truly oh, did. But you know, even though I didn't flawed. love the movie itself, but I loved yeah. this conversation. I loved like experiencing this. I loved all, everything about it, and I I I just I really really. I just want to just I just want you to just keep going down these weird rabbit holes, man, and just I I love it. Keep opening me my eyes up to to these new these things that I these movies I'd never seen before, bro. This is this is fantastic, and I I hope other people enjoy it too. <laughs> I wait till you get to my next one. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. So <laughs> I'll just I'll do that's my tease for the because because uh, I was like okay. Actually, that that may might might be the second connection is plot holes, plot holes, but uh, <laughs> but fun plot holes. I, no, dude, like dude, look, I, I this don't... is I I can I could go all day, like I you know that's the whole thing too. It's as I if you love a movie, you love a movie, yeah, and, and yeah. you know and and uh, and and you got to also under you got to recognize what's good and not good about it. So yeah, dude, I'm yeah. glad. Clearly, there was we've we this is one of our longer episodes, so we've packed a lot of knowledge into a film that I'm glad this film got rec- the recognition it deserves. Yeah. I'm I'm glad we talked about it on the I truly am very glad we have an episode dedicated to it. So For it's... Dan Shore's butt. <laughs> God. Man, I mean, what a weird scenario. Oh. <laughs> Come on, for clipping your toenails in the kitchen and letting it go on the floor. Come on, <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> do you do that? Do you cl- where do you clip your Hell toenails? No, I do way? it in the bathtub, dude. Bathroom, like a fucking like not like unlike a monster. I actually like a human being clip my toes in the fucking bathroom. Jesus. Yeah, I Christ. actually do it in the bathtub and then I spray it down. Then it goes down the drain. I have to do it after I take a shower because um, when I was a kid, my nickname was Sabretooth because I don't uh, bite my nails or anything because they are so strong. I can like cut, th- I, can, I can just cut through anything. So Sabretooth as in uh, uh, at Wolverine's, you know, uh, arch nemesis. So uh, class, my baby. toenails are insanely strong. They're not sharp. They're not like weird. I don't have like weird toes, but like I can't cut them if they're not wet. <laughs> Hey, anyways, um, I couldn't find a good segue, but hey, Zach, where can we find you out there in the podcasting world? You can find me cutting glass with my razor-sharp toenails. Um, <laughs> hey, you can find me on, yeah, find me on Instagram at Zach Schaefer. I know a lot of you have already, and I appreciate the follow. Uh, and then find me on my other podcast, $2 Late Fee podcast on instagram two dollar late com. it's a retro throwback it's a very lighthearted, silly uh we talk about movies we love soundtracks we love from the 80s um talk about what was going on pop culture wise in the 80s we also interview great actors performers eric roberts uh vince Ticola, the 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 mastermind behind the transformers the movie soundtrack um it, it, i might uh Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Bob Romanis, who's fucking awesome conversation. Uh, get some really great stories out of these guys. We just interviewed Joyce Heiser, who is the lead actress from the movie Just One of the Guys. And uh, she's a really crazy, cool conversation. Like, not what you would typically hear on other podcast interviews. 
Sometimes you, oh, I've heard that already. And then you hear things go, oh, I never heard that before. That's cool. So it's a lot of fun. That's where you can find me. From, from, you know, not just from your friend, but from one content creator to another, you guys, you and Dustin are producing some fantastic content. Thanks, dude. And, and we're running a little, uh, contest slash promo right now. If you, uh, subscribe and write us a a review and give us a five star on iTunes. I will send you a mix CD, a curated mix CD of some of the best songs from the eighties, from some of the, the best 80s soundtrack songs of all the time. Things you might never have even heard. Uh, Corey is about to find out very soon because that <laughs> yep. CD's coming to him because he did it for me. Because yep. you know how it is, guys. It's like, look, <laughs> followers, it all means something, you know? So I'm like, shit, I'll make mixed CDs for y'all if you do it. And I'm, I started doing it. I did it for you and I did it for my boy uh, Phantom Cardboard who makes yeah. these really kick-ass uh, trading cards, movie-themed trading cards. So... Uh, yeah, you're going to get this soon. You're going to be like, whoa, next podcast we do, I'm going to I'm going to say, how was that mix CD? I loved it. (laughs) Yeah. Zach will tell you, I've been asking for my mix CD for a while now, so I'm very excited. I think it's coming in my package with your next movie. So maybe I'll do a reveal video for the, uh, mix CD too. (laughs) Actually, I wrapped up the mix CD along with a couple other goodies. You might want to do a reveal because I put some things in there that you're going to be like, what is this? Oh, including the brand new $2 late fee sticker, which is really kick ass too. Good. I love your all's new logo. It's fucking fantastic. Wait till you see this sticker. Mm. (laughs) 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 I can't tell you what's in this package, but it's going to blow your mind. You're going to be like, Oh shit. Nice. Cause that those of you, you listeners out there, Corey and I are always thinking about each other. That's what friends do, you know? <laughs> that is what friends do. Speaking of and what am... friends do, what else do you do besides podcasting after dark, Corey? Yeah, buddy. Um, you can find me every week with our buddy Adam talking about Seinfeld on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. That's so uh, that's the big one. And, uh well, honestly, uh, I'll just say it out, out here, out loud. Um, uh, Tess and I kind of parted ways a little bit on ongoing comic book discussion podcast. Uh, am- very amicably, very, very cool. Um, we just kind of wanted to take the show in different directions. And, uh, you know, when you have two different creative types, see, someone needs to be able to make the final call and actually lead, you know, lead the charge. And, uh, you know, I was like... Just go for it. You know, uh, we both agreed that it would be best if she just sort of took it and went went wherever she wanted to go with it. And I, I couldn't be happier. I think she's awesome and she's absolutely killing it. So please um, make sure you go check out the ongoing comic book discussion podcast with our pal Tess. Um, and then on the BFOP network, we have a bunch of shows. Like we said earlier, we have uh, Emily Slade's show, uh, Why This Film. We also have, you know, Adam and John doing Blast from Her Past, uh, Throwback Trivia Takedown. We have Tim and Dean doing Talking Back. We have Brent and Eric doing Friday Five. So we got like a, a nice little retro nostalgic network over here that we're slowly growing, and it's Hell yeah. it's fantastic, you know. And and honestly, like truthfully, you know, uh, Podcast After Dark is becoming 
it's kind of big. I, I need to concentrate more on this show and everything. So I really want to steer this and, you know, with Zach's help and everything. And, uh, you know, we're both gonna, we both have some ideas for the show and where we want to take it. And we got some big ideas. So we'll, we'll see what happens in the next year or so, but we're actually coming up on our one year anniversary. So look out for some uh, cool shit there. And, uh, we got a merch store coming soon. Uh, technically it's online right now through T fury, but I do want to order a shirt first just to see what the quality looks like before we start really pushing it but um if all goes well it should be up within the month and we should have uh at least two designs uh up there so i'll we'll keep you guys in the loop follow us on instagram podcast after dark on instagram on facebook on reddit uh and we will keep you guys all in the loop as to when the merch store is coming and uh you know any other things that are happening in our future and as always if you love what we do here, you are only kind of getting half of the show if you're only listening to us on the free feeds, and um, the the rest of it is all on Patreon. We have uh, two extra shows a month. We have Interviews After Dark, which is kind of our meat and potatoes, where we talk to directors, actors, uh, people like Jeanette Goldstein, who played Vasquez, Tom Matthews, um, freaking uh, 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 Jesus, um, Brian Usna. I mean, we just have a t- Tony Tempone. We have so many people that that we've interviewed and thanks to zach zach's the and one that kind of spearheads um, all the all the the interviews and i couldn't do it without you buddy but they're, we have they're a fantastic. lot more coming too we have a yeah, lot more we do. Good ones coming and some big ones. We got some big ones, some some directors of movies that we've reviewed here and everything. So, yep. uh, and, and then also we also have a, another monthly show called Wrap Up After Dark where Zach and I kind of just have a freeform uh, discussion, uh, you know, just pad-related stuff. And uh, with with our newfound sort of uh, free time, I look for some new shows. We're, we're currently developing some new, uh, you know, spinoff shows that we can, can sort of uh, live on the feed too and yeah. we're kind of just trying to we're trying to grow the podcasting after dark brand so um yeah look for big things i guess right like <laughs> people say that but I, I hope that we actually have some big things coming well we're always trying to produce especially you but always trying to produce you know great content and honestly uh love i love doing this show and and want to continue to do more of it and i think that's the dream is doing the thing in life uh that makes you happy and making it financially uh feasible (laughs) to do it yeah yeah so i mean and, and you know just so you guys know the you know obviously there's always fees that come with running anything online, server costs, just to keep our, our you know podcast up. So you know all the Patreon money goes towards that, but you know also to, we have we want to start going to conventions and things like that. So uh, and we actually have some artwork being developed right now for our one year anniversary. And just so you guys know, uh, to our patrons, thank you. Um, it's it's because of you that we are actually able to pay for some of the artwork that we have coming. We use the the Patreon money for that. So all, all the Patreon money goes right back into the show. And uh, honestly, the show will grow as fast as uh, our fans want it to grow. So yep. we and but we appreciate unbelievably appreciate 
all of our fans, you guys, whether you pay for the Patreon or not, I, and we totally understand because right now it's crazy with everything that's going on. And uh, but we love and appreciate all of you guys. And you know, if patrons not your thing, no big deal. You know, if you could leave us a review, if you could just recommend us to your friends, just spread the word. That's great. If you want to buy a shirt when it comes out, that's awesome too. What, whatever you want to do, we we. I'm just always blown away by the love that we receive for this podcast. So thank you guys for that. And Zach, I, I'm with you, man. I love this show. I love doing it with you. I wouldn't want to do it with anybody else, but I, I love this show more than, more than almost anything in my life. I'm not like my wife or anything, but I love this show so fucking much. I really (laughs) do. I, I do. And thank you, man. Thank you for, Thank you for fucking giving me dead kids. Like, like, just thank you for, I mean, yes, you bought it for me, but like, just thank you for just opening my eyes up to it. Just thank you for letting me experience it. Even if it's, even if it wasn't my favorite movie, just thank you for giving it to me. Thank you for giving me the gift of, of the experience, I should say. Oh yeah. Well, wait till you get to the next one. All righty. Well, <laughs> be on the lookout for that. <laughs> and uh, if you guys ever want an early preview of what we're going to be reviewing, we do have uh, reveal videos that we post on Patreon. So check those out. And we will see you guys um, in two weeks for our yes. next movie on Podcasting After Dark. And we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia.